the blast from our past network. Hi, this is Steve Kostansky, director of The Void and Psycho Gorman, and you're listening to Podcasting After Dark. Lock your doors, close your windows, turn out your lights, for chills and thrills await you. It's time for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Stay with a friend, say your prayers as grisly ghouls close in to seal your doom. Tonight's episode, I Come in Peace, starring Dolph Lundgren, Brian Benben, and Matthias Hughes. This week on Podcasting After Dark, we review I Come in Peace, also known as the less awesome title of Dark Angel. <laughs> hey everybody, I am uh, Corey here, your old pal Corey, Sleazy C, a.k.a., and uh, joining with me as always is Zach the Snack, a.k.a. Tiny T, my buddy Zach, your pal, our pal, everybody's pal, what's up? Yo, 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 what's up? <laughs> I don't even know where this is going verbally right now, but uh, I'm just happy to be recording after a little bit of a, a technical difficulty. And uh, But you know what? No big deal. We are off and running with some I Come in Peace. Oh, boy. Dolph Lundgren, man. Brian Benben, baby. I Come in Peace, uh, also known as Dark Angel, also known as... Dolph needed a shit ton more sleep in the beginning of this movie, <laughs> judging by the dark circles under his eyes. And where the hell was he for eight days when he just ran off? <laughs> that is something we're going to uh, discuss for <laughs> sure. Um, and, I, and I, by the way, I love that little backstory that they give him that they don't even like go into, but I think it's fun. And uh, oh, it's great backstory. Let's uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room right at the top of the gate. So this movie was originally written to be called Dark Angel. Uh, They could not use that title because there were two other movies prior to that. I think one was like in 1925 and one was like in 1935. They were like called like Dark Angel. Like it was a long, long ass time ago. So they couldn't get the the title to Dark Angel. So they went with I Come in Peace, a title that I think is amazing, especially since their entire marketing campaign for the trailer and everything was based on the line, him saying, I come in peace with Dolph Lundgren saying, and you go in pieces. And I am just appalled that they put it back to Dark Angel now. That, that that's what we have on the Blu-ray. What uh, what are your thoughts on it, dude? I mean, isn't wasn't there a uh, a Fox show called Dark Angel with Elijah Dushku? Yes, or and it was it was produced by James Cameron. It was late '90s. Honestly, the weird thing is, I don't think that show has anything to do with the the naming issue here. And I guess the one thing I couldn't figure out was why they changed it back to Dark Angel, like, on IMDb and everything. Like, there's, I couldn't find anything online that even just said, okay, the rights were just up, or, you know, whatever it is, but it was, only thing I could find was information as to why they couldn't call it Dark Angel in the first place. But now, and in, in internationally, it's called Dark Angel internationally, um, but now the Blu-ray... The, you know, um, the, the Shout Factory Blu-ray, which is it's awesome disc, by the way. It's a great buy with a great yeah, featurette with the cast. Sure. It's it's really, it's a good buy, guys. Highly recommend it um, if you like the movie. But it's funny because on the movie itself, like on the disc, the, you know, the cover and everything, it says Dark Angel. But when we watch the movie, the title card still says, I come in peace. I'm just like, why didn't you just keep it? I come in peace the whole time. 
Yeah, uh, the, the 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 original title or whatever, that Dark Angel title is trash. It's terrible. It has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. Yeah. The title that it was released in theatrically is fantastic. It should have stuck with that. Uh, I remember when the, uh, the video store that I ended up working at, the local video store, Video Man, uh, <laughs> it re- was released on video, video, VHS. They had promo uh, promos that they were giving out. It was a jewel case with the CD paper cd in the center oh, uh, cool. just saying you know rent i come in peace and i remember they gave it to me I, I, I might still have that somewhere uh if i do i'll i'll try and dig it up and we'll put it on the on the instagram um but yeah that's original and unique uh it sets it apart from all other films because of that name and they should have stuck with that i don't know why they didn't doesn't make any sense and I was just doing a little bit of research trying to figure this whole thing out. And I think from what I hear, and I'm sure David can probably help us out with this, but I think even over in Europe and everything, they cut out all the lines of him saying, I come in peace because over there, you know, uh, it's Dark Angel. So they were just like, fuck it. We're just going to cut out him saying, I come in peace. And I, man, if oh, that is terrible. the case, again, I have not. I don't know this for a fact, so I'm, it's hearsay. But if that's the case, man, you're losing a lot of personality in this movie. Like, this movie has personality, but if it's kind of wrapped around that phrase, I come in peace. Yeah, dare I say most of the personality comes from Matthias Hughes and Brian Benben. Yes, yes, you, you can dare say that, and you would be correct. And dare I say, <laughs> I love Matthias Hughes' smile whenever he does something like villainy great. in this. He's I'm great. like, I love the, the drug dealer alien. I think he's awesome, and I, I love Matthias Hughes. I love the other alien. I, I'm going to um, romantically refer to him as Kevin Nealon alien through this whole thing. <laughs> Oh, man. Giant Kevin Nealon. Well, buddy, before we jump into the cast, because obviously we already want to talk about the cast. Um, <laughs> tell You tell me first, because it's my pick. Uh, I Come in Peace is my pick. By the way, and we're just going to drop Dark Angel from this point forward. It will yeah. always be I Come in Peace. I'll put it in the title. I'll put Dark Angel in the title just to get that SEO goodness. But uh, truthfully, we're going to refer to this movie moving forward as I Come in Peace. Yeah, as I Come in Peace. Come on. Come on, baby. So what is your familiarity with the movie? Uh, have you seen it before? Yeah, I, I'm a huge Dolph Lundgren fan. Uh, and in the 90s, he was hot. I think this came out after The Punisher uh, and before Showdown in Little Tokyo or maybe right after Showdown in Little Tokyo. So he was all over the theaters and VHS tapes. And I remember going to the theater just to see him in this movie because I was such a big fan of him as He-Man from Masters of the Universe and obviously uh, and Drago. But I was I marked out big time for him, and I remember seeing this movie in the theater with my mom. Oh wow! Yes, she took the the podcasting after dark uh, movies you parents weren't supposed to show you, or movies you didn't you watch without your parents' permission. Uh, at this point in the game, my mom was showing me all of those movies, <laughs> and because we were buddies, right? So uh, yeah, she took me to see I Come in Peace in the theater, and. At the Meridian Quad 6 in San Jose, California. I might still have the movie ticket for this, believe it or not, because oh I saved my. all my movie stubs. Oh, I'm a hoarder. Uh, but, yeah, dude, like, I remember seeing this shit back in the day, loving the fact that the Ben Ben was in it. And um, I've, I saw it once in the theater and maybe once more on VHS, and that was about it. Wow. 
Wow. Well, that's kind of my experience with it as well. I did not watch this a lot as a kid. Um, I watched it with my dad. He rented it because this is right up his alley. I mean, cops and robbers versus aliens. That's perfect, you know? Yeah. And 1990, right at the right age and everything. And it was one of those movies that just I wanted to love, you know? I really did. And of the pantheon of the action heroes growing up, Sadly, Dolph was kind of my least favorite as far as, like, acting and movie roles go and stuff. I was a huge Punisher fan as a kid, and I was very let down by his Punisher movie. You know, at this point, I can kind of just remember him just not wearing the skull in his chest, and that's probably why I didn't like it. It could be better than I remember it. I don't know. Um, It's weird because as a personality and as a human, I adore Dolph Lundgren. I think he's a fantastic human being, everything that I've seen. Um, He seems like a pleasant person. I always enjoy him when he pops up in movies as, like, uh, you know, not maybe the main guy. And I always want to love his movies where he's, like, the main, you know, character, main actor in the film. But even here, I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there that I'm... I very much enjoyed this film, but he's kind of my least favorite part of this movie, and that's really kind of weird. Now, that's not to say I hated him in this film. That's not to say I I even disliked him. I just, you know, didn't think he was kind of that strong, and and I'm saying it now because that's kind of how I always felt Dolph Lundgren was, and... And it's also kind of weird because even and it's when I was a kid, it was it was totally when I was a kid. I thought he was he sounded so like I don't want to say he sounds stupid, but he didn't. He's kind of had a thick accent. And he sounded a little, you know, a little I don't know, Cro-Magnum-ish. The irony is that he's like a fucking biochemist. He's like a fucking IQ genius. So that's ironic, you know. And but and that's me with you know as a kid in 1990s, not knowing anything about the guy, and I was just like, eh, didn't really dig on him. But I do well, like him as a person. English is not his first language. Uh, I know, you, you and know. I know, and, and and saying all that, I know I, I sound like an asshole, but I'm kind of put, I'm trying to put it in the point of view of my like 13, 14 year old brain, you know. No, I, I think it's I think it's fair because I think oftentimes people over they wear rose colored glasses when they when they view these characters or actors from the 80s. He was not he wasn't that great of an actor, and his personality. Is good, you know. He comes across as a very likable character in the movie, but his his delivery of lines just fall flat. Like there's so many times when he says certain things. That's one. Yeah. (laughs) That's two. Like, what does that even mean? You know, like why, why, why? And and that's all not all his fault. Obviously, it's the writing, um, a little bit of the writing and a little bit of the direction. You know, but he doesn't he doesn't come across as strongly as he should. And, um, which is a bummer that that's how I felt about him in showdown in little Tokyo. I was, you know, expecting to love that movie. I didn't love that movie. It's not that great of a movie. And Brandon Lee, sadly, you know, is the best part, but he's not that good in it. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I remember, I remember showdown than, in little Tokyo. Yeah, it's not that great of a movie. It yeah. really isn't. That, that was another movie that I desperately wanted to love. And I don't mean for us to critique, you know, uh, uh, I come in peace so much at the top right now. It's just because we're talking about Dolph Lundgren and 
I, you know, his, his acting just, yeah, isn't that strong. And the irony is that people are like, this is one of his best acting roles. And I'm like, oofa, loofa. I'd say, I'd say his best acting role was Universal Soldier. And that, (laughs) and and quite honestly, that is when, you know, Brad Pitt was not considered, I didn't think Brad Pitt was that great of an actor either back in the day. I thought he kind of sucked. In fact, he really, like, I would stay away from movies because of Brad Pitt's name. I thought he was really bad in seven. I thought his, he overacted. It wasn't until he started doing character work in like 12 monkeys and true Mm. romance when I thought, Oh, this dude. And then in fight club, okay, this is, he's showing off his acting prowess maybe because he doesn't have to carry the entire movie, you know? And so maybe there's this added pressure who knows, but Dolph in a supporting role, um, you know, he was good in The Expendables. He's yeah. good in Red Scorpion because he doesn't say much. Yeah. Uh, and then he's got a really strong supporting cast out in, in that film. M. Emmett Walsh is in, who's a great character actor. But, um, you know, Universal Soldier, he used to go, he, he got to go wild and crazy. He got to be a psycho. And that was where he shined, in my opinion. And honestly, bro, I love Universal Soldier. I hope we oh, get to that one day. That was that's one really of, good. Yeah, that was one of my. Uh, that was actually one of my JCVD go tos. Uh, you know, obviously, I picked Cyborg first uh, for us to tackle, and we all know how that turned out. Um, well, but that being said about about Dolph, and and I come in peace. He though he doesn't hit all the notes. He has enough moments in this movie to look he looks like a badass he, yeah. and and he carries himself like a badass and he and he has elements that make him seem like a badass that he's one piece of a of an overall film that go that flows really well yeah in my opinion. And, and I don't honestly again didn't want to put so much negativity up front because the funny thing is, I actually like his character. You know, I like uh, Kane. Yeah. I, th- I thought he was a, a fun character, but, you know, it's just Dolph was just kind of stiff going through it. But on the flip side, I mean, the flip side of that coin, the an- the complete antithesis of, of Dolph Lundgren is Brian Ben-Ben, who is literally like half the size of Dolph Lundgren, but has twice the on-screen personality as Dolph does. Uh, apparently, because uh, on the uh, making of or the featurette thing, it's like 30 minutes on the shout factory they actually have the director they have Dolph they have Brian Ben Ben it's really cool but Brian Ben Ben was like dude I was in lifts the entire movie because like he's even shorter next to Dolph Lundgren like they said like in the framing of stuff like they tried like think framing stuff and he looked like a freaking sock puppet like all you would see is his head (laughs) if you tried to frame Dolph correctly you know it's like yeah it's funny but Brian Ben Ben bro so much personality and I love him so much ever since Dream On as a kid. That's what I always loved Brian Ben-Ben from. Yeah, Brian Ben, he's great. He's great. And uh, definitely one of the highlights of this movie. Mm-hmm. And for, for what apparently seems like a low-budget film, uh, it, it clicks all the boxes. It's seven. It was $7 million to make. Anywhere between 5 and $7 million, uh, is what they said. And it's all on the screen. Um, and it only <laughs> all made, in explosions. <laughs> it's all in explosions, and we'll we'll get to the reason for that when we talk about the director and his uh, his his sort of. He comes from a family of stunt uh, uh, people, so but the movie did only make about four point five, so it didn't even make its budget back. Yeah, I remember it being a big bomb. Yeah, um, and and rightfully so. I can see why. You know, for for people like you and me who overlook certain shortcomings in movies 
this film has enough shortcomings for people for the general audience to go oh you know kind of thing yeah and also the plot line is is very b uh in a, not in a bad way but it's just not a main this is not a mainstream movie you know I found it interesting watching it this time <laughs> how much the the plot line is Predator 2. Predator 2 oh, and yeah, I Come totally. in Peace are very similar until like they diverge like sort of at the end area like where they go off to but the the idea the setup the tropes oh my god I'm like oh my god the FBI coming in this and that it it felt like Predator 2 but at like one tenth the budget yeah, and and that's not a bad thing. No, that's not a bad thing. So, do you want to take us through the rest of the cast and crew and and director and writer and all that good stuff? I sure do. Um, so obviously we 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 hit Dolph Lundgren and we hit Brian Ben Ben. You know, Brian Ben Ben. Yeah, Dream On is what he's mostly known for. Uh, but playing Diane and she doesn't have a headshot on IMDb. So um, Diane is is Kane's girlfriend and also the coroner uh, is <laughs> another god another trope man the the hard-boiled detective dating the police coroner you know <laughs> yeah her name's uh betsy brantley apparently she was in princess bride and deep impact double jeopardy who framed roger rabbit um you know terribly miscast in my opinion in this film as the love interest of Dolph Lundgren's Kane yeah. one or the other like one had to go <laughs> it, it, sincerely because she looks like a elementary school principal is what she looks like and with their with her weird like 80s hair and well did you notice that that weird 80s hair changed styles like four times throughout this movie yeah, even in the uh, the eight by ten photo on on uh, Dolph's table of of them like in a swing or something holding hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's really like, awkward. I know, I know, but like I was like, sometimes her hair's like more frizzy. And I was like, hey, I wonder if they're outside. It's humid in Houston, you know. And then it, sometimes it actually looks like it was cut differently. I was like, what is happening to her hair? And I didn't even pick up on it the first time. It was the my second viewing of this go round is when I noticed it. I was like, girl, there's something going on with your hair. Yeah, and it doesn't, man. She just, to me, like, they don't have any chemistry on screen. Like, I look yeah. at her, and I'm like, that's the girl that he that he saw at the bar uh, and when it's dark. And then when the lights came on, he's like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll give you my number. It's a 555-1212. Five, 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 one, two, one, two. Hey, that's <laughs> not a real number. <laughs> what do you think this is, real life? But <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, anyways, yeah, she, play, she plays uh, uh, Diane. And then, um, yeah, Matthias Hughes is Bad Alien. Bad Apparently alien. his name's Talek, which is cool. Okay. Uh, okay. And then Matthias, he's a legit martial artist. And, and yeah, he he's was been apparently, shit. Apparently yeah, he was like a, a triathlete. Like, he is a legit athlete and he did from my understanding about 90 percent of his own stunts a because they couldn't find a stunt person his height and size <laughs> and everything and b because he's so like physical he did it even the ones where he was running on the cars when the cars were exploding that was him no wire work keeping him up in the air or anything if he tripped wow. and fell he would have blown up that was him with those like big shoes like that, that have like an extra four inches on them so matthias hughes is a fucking beast in this movie and i'm talking about the the actor not just the the, the character he plays the actor's a fucking beast yeah he's he's and he's a big beefy dude like he's yeah. he would work out a gold gym back in the day i think that's how he got discovered mm-hmm. um 
but yeah, you know, big blonde German guy, uh, can't maybe act like mainstream movies because of the accent, but he, he was perfect for this. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know his name was Talek, so that's pretty cool. I um, didn't either. And then playing uh, the the good alien as Azek is Kevin Nealon. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> this guy, this guy named Jay Bylas, uh, who who's been in a handful of things. Not, nothing to you know throw a stick at. But he's um, mostly now known as. He's he he. I think he helps guide uh, basketball players into like co- like like college basketball. He's he somehow he's like a a professional college basketball, not a coach, but I think he like helps you know the kids out and stuff like that because they discovered him right out of basketball. Like they needed somebody that was like six eight that could go toe to toe with Matthias Hughes, and he was a basketball player. And the director, you know, he had auditioned, and the director was like, "Look, we have to shave your head, no problem." And then they're like, "We got to put contacts in your eyes." And the guy had never wore contacts before, but um, apparently it wasn't a problem. But yeah, now I think he's just he he. I think he helps guide kids through college basketball and and just, probably like you know the high end ones and everything that that will yeah. go on to be professionals and whatnot. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah he. I mean, he. I, I would have liked to seen more of him. Yeah, me too. Uh, it's it, it's too bad that he, he he had a short role in this film. Yeah. Um, and then I'll just run down a, a few of the others. They're nothing. Nothing big to go, you know, gaga over, but they have pretty big resumes. Uh, Jim Haney plays the uh, chief in the film. He's been, I mean, he's a character actor. This guy, he's been in everything from The Peacemaker with George Clooney and Pretty in Pink, The Bridges of Madison County, and he was in The Fog, which is important <laughs> to notice. Of course. Uh, to note. David Aykroyd, no relation to Dan Aykroyd, um, is a, another character actor who's been in a ton of television and various uh, cult-ish type films, but he plays um, Inspector Switzer, Brian Ben Ben's boss. Switzer, the Switzer Manual uh, <laughs> that Brian Benman often refers to. Uh, Sherman Howard plays Victor Manning, great character actor. Uh, you would know him mostly as Bub yep. from Day of the Dead. Yep, and also he was um, Roy in Seinfeld. He was the, uh, was it season four? It was season four. And, of course, uh, when Adam and I got to that episode, I talked about him being Bub from, from Day of the Dead, which is my favorite Ramiro zombie film. So Ditto. I've always loved that guy. But he was, uh, Elaine dated him for, like, an episode. He was one of, like, Elaine's boyfriends for an episode. So Very dynamic actor. Like, he always stands out when you see him. You're like, yeah. oh, I know that guy. Where do I know that guy from? Well, Bub was his first big role he ever had. And... But that was the first zombie that had like personality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's kind of famous in the in the cult zombie lore. Yeah. Um, and then Sam Anderson plays Warren, which is not a big role in the film. He kind of works for Victor Manning. Victor Manning is like a, a drug dealing yuppie. Uh, but Sam Anderson is a recognizable character actor who's been in every television series in the 80s. Yeah. Everything. And it's like both of them are great actors with very little screen time in this movie. This movie, uh, it's weird. Aside from all the shit that we just talked about Dolph Lundgren and uh, Diane, the his girlfriend, Coroner, they, they are, I feel, the exception to the rule of this movie. Whereas I think everyone else turns in a fantastic performance and... Like are are like they have bigger actors in this movie than they have any right 
to have with a with a five million dollar budget even in 1990 they have better actors and then on top of it even the small actors i'll get to in a second like the guy in the opening scene the the you know that one guy that's driving his car even he fucking turns in a fantastic performance for the the whole two minutes that he's on the screen so i'm just totally i'm like damn it's really it's really dolph And, and and again i don't hate dolph and i don't hate his character but he's sadly the weakest link of an entire of a great cast well, and, and this has a link to another pad movie of your choice. Um, did you notice the connection of another pad movie of your choice? Uh, for Split which? Split second? Uh, no. Oh, well, well, yeah, Michael J. Pollard, yep. Michael yeah. J. Pollard is in it. and Yeah, I'll just, I, and his character's name is Boner, which is really funny. <laughs> uh, and um, and really quick, Al Leong, who is a very famous uh, Hollywood stuntman, martial artist, has a little small role in this. He's the most famous henchman, movie henchman in the world. Big Trouble in Little China, Die Hard, you know him. In Die Hard, he's the guy that takes the candy bar. You know, everyone knows Al Al Leon. Yeah, he's been been in everything. And uh, again, oh, he also, he had my favorite fight scene of all time in the Brandon Lee film Rapid Fire. Mm. Uh, just throwing that out there. It's worth checking out. Great action movie. Anyways, that's the overall cast. There may be one or two people that stand out and will go, oh yeah, this guy was from blah blah blah. Oh, oh don't worry. We will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we'll get we'll get we'll all, get to that, all yeah. that later. I do want to point out, yeah, you said the director, Craig Baxley, um, he who directed this. He also directed a few other favorite action movies of mine. It's action Jackson. Mm-hmm. with Carl Weathers uh, and Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth, which is actually a pretty decent action movie, to be honest with you. I remember when it came out, dude, and I know I I've seen it. Seen it. <laughs> dude, funny did. story about that did. film. If, for those that haven't seen Stone Cold with Brian Bosworth, Brian Bosworth really quick was a football player for the Seattle Seahawks. And he's known for having like lines, uh, you know, cut in his, on the sides of his hair. And he was a linebacker. Bo Jackson mowed his ass over on Monday Night Football. It was like Bo versus uh, the Boz. That's how they were billing this thing. And and Bo Jackson was playing for the Raiders, Monday Night Football. Uh, I think it was Monday Night. Anyways, uh, uh, Bo Jackson mowed his ass over and scored a touchdown on his ass. Damn. Like just ran over Brian Bosworth. And so Brian left football, became an actor, and did this Stone Cold movie, this biker movie. Uh, with Lance Henriksen and yeah. William Forsythe, great cast, and they're the villains in the movie. I remember seeing that movie in the theater in San Jose with my brother, and there was a, a bunch of biker gangs, like uh, Hell's Angel biker biker gangs, showed up to the opening night and were booing Boz left and right. And oh I was a huge God. Boz fan. You know, I had his little starting lineup action figure, and I was like, oh, it's the Boz, I'm a kid, you know. And uh, and they're booing his ass, and then of course at the end, Boz prevails in the movie. You know, all the bad guys get killed, and and they're throwing shit at the screen, and they're cursing at the screen, and they're just like super aggro, pissed off. And Eric leans over to me, and he's like, "Don't say anything about this movie. If they ask, if anybody asks you, did you did you like it? You say it sucked." And I'm like, "Okay, okay." okay. okay. He goes, "We're gonna get our asses jumped. We you do not want that to happen." I'm like, "Okay, okay." Anyways, Craig Baxley, director of I Come in Peace directed 
two pretty decent action flicks. Well, and he comes from apparently a family of stunt guys. Um, I, you know, I don't know if they're doing stunts or like, they, I think they do the explosion stuff and everything. So like his, apparently on set, like his dad was there, his son was there, like a couple brothers and cousins. And even Dolph Lundgren was like, everywhere you turn, there's another Baxley somewhere, you know, doing something. <laughs> but th- this funny. is the reason, you know, this movie... Uh, let's put some positivity up front, you know, before we get into the break in breakdown. Um, the explosions in action in this movie are awesome, and it's done in a day and age prior to CGI. So everything that you see on screen was done in camera, like with actors and everything. And I mean, dude, they all, both of them, Dolph, Dolph and Ben Ben both talk about that scene at the end where they're running from the fire and, you know, and this and that. And it's just. Man, it is a remarkable, explosive-heavy movie for a budget of five million, five to seven million. There is a lot of action in this, and on top of things, apparently, he was such a good director that he was coming in early, and they were adding scenes to the movie because they had time to do it. So the scene towards the end, when uh, the two white boys uh, get killed by, you know, with the Matthias Hughes and everything, yeah, that was a scene yeah. they just added. wasn't even in the script. So That's and great. then the, the car chasing wasn't in the script. They added that too. So it's like they had the time. I, I mean, I am impressed by him as a director. Well. I take that back. The director's job is to always get the best performance out of an actor. And Dolph Lundgren is kind of dry, although people say this is his best performance. So I don't know. Baxley could be the greatest director of all time, or he could be the worst. I don't know. Well, he worked with two um, guys who were known more for their bodies and their looks than their acting chops, Bosworth and Lundgren. And he pulled out pretty decent performances yeah. from both of them. Let's be honest. Uh, and you know, Carl Weathers is a great actor. So, Action Jackson is fantastic. If you guys have never seen that, and also you, you were talking and mentioning the writing and adding scenes to the film. Uh, one of the writers of this movie, one of them is is uh, Jonathan Tidor. I don't know if he was the main writer or not, but the other writer, who's not billed under his real name, yep. uh, he's billed as Leonard Moss Jr. is David Kep or Coep who directed or who wrote Jurassic Park, Stir of Echoes, The First Mission Impossible, yeah. which is great. The First Spider-Man, which is great. Um, I mean, yeah. come on. That's pretty quite a step up from my come in peace. <laughs> no, I know, dude. I, when I heard that, because I didn't even check the the writing IMDb on this because I mean, what in the world would you think that I, I come in peace was probably written by some hack, right? Nope. <laughs> the writer of Jurassic Park. What the fuck? Yeah, dude. Look, I mean... Um, you know, overall, we'll, we'll get to our feelings at the end of this movie, but th- this movie's got a lot going on it in does. a good way, in yeah, a good way. It, it really, really, really does. And I just want to emphasize that hard because I know we came in hot on Dolph at the beginning, but it, there is a lot to love in this movie and I'll put it out there. I think there's a lot more to love than not love. So Zach, you want to get into this? Let's do this. Yes, I do. It's like 
turning your radio dial to K-I-L-L. Get down! Come in peace. Stop him. Kill your people by the thousands. What does he want? Marcy, a priceless trout. Where I'm from, rare and illegal. What you call endorphins. Where did you say you were from? If he returns, it will be a slaughter. Looks like we've got what he came for. So, by the way, this is a Christmas movie. If you guys listen to our... It is. It's a legit Christmas movie. It is. If you listen to our wrap-up after Dark episode that we just dropped, uh, we talk about the fact that I I didn't plan that. That just was kismet. Uh, Bodie, Zach's son, picked the movie because I sent Zach a bunch of them. He picked it, and it turned out to be this. So... Perfect timing. Hey. Perfect timing. And, and and just to go back, I know we said it mentioned it earlier in the in the show, but you know how David Kep was one of the writers of this movie. I just also want to tag on the fact that he um he he did the rewrites for this. Okay. So that makes sense. If if certain things were tightened up, it was because of David Kep. That's um, awesome. But yeah, but yeah, th- this was a very exciting for my son to open on the unboxing. He's like, What's this? This looks cool. And I said, well, which cover do you like more? I come in peace or Dark Angel? And he's like, well, I like the Dark Angel picture more, but I don't like the name. I'm like, yeah, neither do I. Good call. Good call, Bodie. Good call, my man. One day you'll get to watch all the movies in the podcast After Dark Library, and I hope that I'm there with you. Ditto. (laughs) So the movie opens uh, with a man driving his car through downtown Houston. Uh, I don't know if I mentioned it earlier, but this movie was filmed in Houston, which also might explain uh, Diane's hair at some point because it does get pretty fucking humid in Houston. It doesn't matter what time of year it is. It's pretty humid down there. Um, The guy's kind of driving his car. He puts his he like kind of puts his Christmas CD in the car, starts going wonky and weird and like shoots out. And he's like. $70,000 $70,000 car and they put a shitty ass uh, CD player in and I was like god damn 70k for a car that means that that car that's 1990 money so right now that's probably pushing close to like 90k I'm like oh easily damn that's an expensive fucking car for a Mercedes Benz I'm like whatever Merry fucking Christmas. <laughs> I'm not a big Mercedes fan, just just so you know. Um, but uh, the, so the, the CD shoots out. He kind of has to fumble for it, and that causes him to almost crash into a bus. And by, you know, dodging the bus, he kind of spins out of control and hits, kind of crashes into a Christmas tree uh, little, you know, stand. It's, it's in the city, so it's not like, you know, out in the country or anything like that. Just like one of those little Christmas tree parking lots things. And uh, so he gets out of his car, and he's like, God damn it, looking around and everything. And then he hears something 
coming in hot <laughs> from the atmosphere. And I got to give it to you both. Give it to the director both times. They never showed, um, uh, you know, this this scene and later. They you never see a ship or anything. They just, but yet he does the everything so well that I don't even miss it. So he does a great job of having the actor like look up in the air and you know look and run and dive, and then the car explodes, and then the actor kind of you know the guy kind of walks up to the explosion, the hole in the ground, and um, Matthias Hughes comes out and he looks at the guy and says, "I come in peace." And that's the opening scene. <laughs> and the credits are playing over the scene too, by the way, yeah. which I actually don't mind. No. Um, uh, and, and, and it's, it's kind of cool in a way, like let the action go. You know, we went, when we did uh, Prince of Darkness and, and the scenes would cut into the credits. I don't mind that either. I just, it was a nice change of pace. I'm like, okay, yeah, we'll keep going. And then lo and behold, they flash the music, music by Jan Hammer. Yeah. of Miami Vice fame. And I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, dare I say, I wish I could have heard his synth score more in this film than some of the really shitty, unmemorable music, uh, like rock tracks they played throughout this film. I am uh, pretty bad. I agree 100%, dude. <laughs> I, I thought the exact same thing because I like when there is score, I like the score. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a dramatic pause there, folks, and I was like, yeah. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Word. Uh, all right, so now we – Oh, and but, but I just wanted to also say, like, that guy at the beginning, like, that was another thing. Like, I feel like it sets the tone. Like, that guy has, you know, two minutes on screen. And He's great. I think, yeah, he does a better performance than, like, than Dolph Lundgren does. <laughs> and he does – or I should say he does a, be, he does a better performance than – is absolutely necessary for this budget of a movie, this level of a movie. It, I think it sets the tone for the quality of acting that's coming. I'm saying that knowing that Dolph is not good, but again, everyone else is. So, well, this, this is the precipice of one of the, of the downfall of, or not downfall, but a really low period in cinema because the nineties was when the things that would normally go to the big screen would just get, shelved on vhs tapes this is great vhs you know the straight to vhs movies really took off in the 90s that's when it really hit this was one of the last movies i remember seeing in the theater like this this would have gone directly to vhs a year after yep right a year or two later this would have gone straight to vhs and i'm glad i saw it in the theater i wish you know these are the movies i want to see shitty ass movies like this in the in the theater it's not a shitty ass movie but you know what i'm saying like cheesy movies cheese ball movies this is a cheese ball movie in in so many ways in a good way you know, and, and now was, these movies never, ever end up in the theaters nowadays. You know, no. I mean, it was it was the the late nineties, uh, early two thousands when we lost the mid tier thriller. Like we don't get yeah. we don't get the the twenty million dollar thrillers in the theater anymore. You know, we it has to. Only thing that comes in the theater is something that is like two hundred million dollars or more. You know, it's just it's crazy. Yeah, all I'm gonna say is, and you can edit this out, but thank God I saw Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four at home. So I could watch it in three installments. I'm not going to edit that out, buddy. I'm going to keep that in because I feel the same way. That movie was trash. So, <laughs> oh, so bad. Um, so bad. All right. So let's get back to I Come in Peace. So cut to somebody is now breaking into a building. We don't know what kind of a building, but they're like a cat burglar kind of breaking into a big building. 
we see the title card. I come in peace. I was like, cool. All right, here we go. Because I was honestly, I was expecting it to say Dark Angel. So I was, I was very happy to see it say I come in peace. Um, we see a cop. We think is a cop uh, calling for a Sergeant Hawkins to go down to the evidence room. Now, this cop that we think is a cop, uh, we've seen him before. And we've seen him in RoboCop as Mr. Kenny, a.k.a. the guy that gets obliterated by Ed 209 at the beginning of the movie. So I was happier than a pig in shit. I literally screamed and yelled, Mr. Kenny. And I think I texted you immediately. And you were like, yep. Yep. <laughs> and the only other thing I've ever seen him in uh, is also Seinfeld. He played uh, one of the NBC executives that finds Jerry, the season that Jerry gets the the, the pilot. Um, he's one of the NBC execs. And so this is only one of three things that I've ever seen him in. And this is by far the most screen time he gets anywhere. Oh, yeah. And he's great. I mean, like, yes. it's yes, funny because they're called the white boys, you know, and <laughs> yeah. and then the yuppies or whatever. And they look like white boy yuppies. Uh, his, the other guy who broke into the the cat burglar guy, um, you know, I, I thought he was one of the thugs in uh, Lethal Weapon. Mm. He's not. He But he was in uh, Blind Fury with uh, with um, Rucker, Rucker Hauer. Yeah. So. I didn't recognize him at all, um, and maybe because I was too fixated on Mr. Kenny. But uh, yeah, I didn't recognize him. And yeah, Mr. Kenny is great in this. Um, I'm probably only ever going to call him Mr. Kenny. I think that's what I had him in my notes. <laughs> and yes, we should say just because it sounds weird, uh, the the bad guys, the gang of bad guys, the yuppies, they're called the White Boys, and they are. It's actually kind of cool. They're all yuppies. They all like have suits on, and they all drive like like you know. Rich cars and everything but essentially they're all drug dealers they're all bad guys and it's treated like like a corporation it's really you know it's not it i wouldn't say it's ahead of its time at at then because i feel like that was even sort of the zeitgeist in the 90s but it really they really leaned into the whole like you know the the idea that in the 80s the 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 biggest villain in the 80s was the businessman yeah the the wall street guy it's smart. It it's 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 relatable. You're like, oh yeah, I hate these people. Yeah, and so <laughs> if you hear us refer to them as the white boys, that's actually the name of their gang slash organization. So we just we should have said that at the top. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry, my, my bad. Um, so we uh the cat burglar, we kind of see him cutting through a large vent, and he enters a room. We see the Sergeant Hawkins uh, that they were paging. Uh, he kind of gets paged. He has to go to the evidence room. He walks in. He's like, you know, he's looking around. He's like, who's there? The cat burglar pops up behind him, but like, you know, like 10 feet away. And fucking as, the, as Hawkins turns around, he throws a fucking knife into his chest. I was like, damn. That was intense. And yeah. then he walks up to him and says something like, um, what did he say? You it's to... sub, uh, something the matter officer. Is there a problem officer? Like yeah. as the guy's bleeding out. And the delivery's so good. So evil. And I think, you know, and I will say, I'm glad I'm watching this nowadays because when I was younger, I go, oh, that's that generic guy from he's villain number three from blah, 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 you know, and and I would get really jaded by that if I saw a guy who got disposed of early in another film. And then I see him as more of a menacing guy in this. It, it, it took me out of it for a second. You you mentioned that in the invasion USA, when we I, were talking about Billy Drago, Billy Drago. Yep. Yeah. And, and it always bugged me as a kid. 
now I look at it from a nostalgic lens and I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. It's nice to see that. It's nice to see Indian number two get more screen time. <laughs> it's it's nice to see Mr. Kenny who got obliterated by Ed 209 getting more screen yeah, time. Yeah, dude, like, that's great, you know? And this, this scene is cool too because as the guy's on the ground, the cop's on the ground and he's taking the badge off him or the, na- the name tag off of Sergeant Hawkins, like Hawkins is kind of like looking over at him like as he's like dying, like bleeding out and the guy just kind of like shoves his hand into his face and turns his head away. I was like, that's such a cool little character moment that they didn't like any other director in this kind of a movie, that cop would have just been dead on the ground and the, the goon, the, the capital just takes his name tag. Right. But yeah. here we get this sinister little moment where the, the, the bad white boy is like pushes his fucking face away. And it's like, Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. That's, and there's, Here's the thing. I'm going to call out a few of these moments that I really thought were were awesome, where they, they take tropes and they just flip them on their head. You know, and this movie is so full of cliche tropes that I, I feel like sometimes they make things cliche just when they flip them on. Just so when they flip them on their head, you're like, oh, cool. That, you know, that's cool. I like that. You know? Yeah, I do. So, <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so, all right, the cat burglar walks out and, uh, oh, sorry, uh, the cat burglar grabs a bunch of heroin. Uh, that's what they, that's what they're there for. He takes a bunch of heroin, puts them in a, like a, a briefcase. Uh, he walks out of the evidence room and meets up with Mr. Kinney and they check the briefcase out at the evidence desk. They kind of have a little conversation with the, the cop there. And, uh, and then they kind of start moseying out of the, the, the building. So at this point you realize it's, you know, it's a police precinct, although it seems very big like a like it almost seems like uh, multi-leveled and tiered and stuff almost like a subway or something but it's really cool and uh, as they're walking out they one of the the one the cat burglar guys puts down uh, a bag by the stairs they get into mr him and mr kenny get into a getaway car and the guy's like you better go you better go now and the driver's like what and so as they're driving away the freaking whole front of the building explodes and here's where you know that the director knows how to handle pyrotechnics because anyone else, you know, that building would explode. No, no, no actors are near it, but here the building explodes with the car, like driving kind of through the fire. Yeah. Right next to it. Right Right next next to it. it. It's impressive. Yeah. I want to point out two things. I agree with you. That action sequence was intense. That explosion was fantastic. And, um, but I want to go back to when he, when they're checking out the, Mm. uh, heroin from the, desk clerk because there's a really smart scene that they didn't follow up with because because the the desk clerk makes a joke and then the cat burglar who's wearing the uniform of the killed cop you know says uh are you you trying to make a joke or something like that this isn't funny yeah and he's like oh i'm you know i'm sorry i'm just making a joke and he looks down at the cat burglar's name tag and they close in on that shot and then they close back to the cop the checkout clerk and he kind of gives him a funny look you would have thought and maybe you got cut out uh, or just was never shot, but they would follow up with cops chasing after them, running into the running after them, and then maybe them chasing them, then getting in the car and going go 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 go, and then exploding, you know? Because that that front desk cop, when they leave, he even picks up the phone to make a phone yes. call. So yeah. and he he's looking at them while they're going. And again, by the way, this desk cop has forty five seconds of screen time. And he it. nails it. He yep. absolutely He's nails great. it. It's so weird. This director is so good with like side characters, you know. Well, and and that that says a lot when a guy's scene is over or an actor's scene is over, and you go, 
do I know that guy from somewhere? And the reason why you say that is because they stood out in that mm-hmm. scene. You yep. might not know them from anything else, but the fact that you go, wait, I know that guy from something else. No, you just, he just did a really good job. He just did a damn fucking good job with the whopping 45 seconds that he had. So, you know, just story building wise, I would have liked to have seen them follow up with that. They didn't, which is, it's fine. It's neither here nor there. It's just one of those moments where I'm like, no, man, that was a perfect opportunity for them to like go a little deeper. Yeah. And I noticed that, um, I kind of took it as maybe he was, but then the explosion took him out, took everybody, you know what I mean? Like there was nothing, like no one's left type of thing. Although that was a big ass explosion for a duffel bag full of C4, but what do I know? I don't know. How, I don't know what C4 does. I only have movies to inform me. Look, bro, like there's this movie out that just came out called Action USA mm. from Vinegar Syndrome. And same idea as a stuntman directed it. You know, the guy with a stunt history. Yeah. And the explosions are just over the top. And you're like, <laughs> OK, these guys are like, I just want to see it all go. There's a 90s G.I. Joe character named Metalhead. Who just goes bang, bang, <laughs> bang? <laughs> and Bodie loves his character, by the way. Of course he does. Of course he does. Everyone loves the bang. <laughs> uh, outside um, of a nightclub, we're meeting Dolph Lundgren's character, Detective Kane, for the first time. Uh, he is in his car listening to his partner on the inside doing a drug deal with Sherman Howard, who we mentioned earlier is playing Victor Manning and his goons, the White Boys. As Kane is listening to to you know everything that's going on, he sees two thugs roll up to a liquor store sort of behind him. They kind of like park near him, so he's kind of like watching them. And he, he right away he's you know his guts telling him there's something wrong with them. So he's kind of keeping an eyeball on them, but at the same time he's listening to the what's going down with with his partner and and Victor Manning and everything. And there's some good fun dialogue back and forth between the partner and 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 uh, Sherman Howard. Howard and stuff. He's he's so much fun. Victor Manning is so much fun, and he's really this is the only scene he's he's in. Um, but man, I, he's in I a love photo later. Him. He's in a photo later. Yeah, with titties. <laughs> titties. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, hey, okay. you know what? At least they threw in some titties right there, and at the uh, the bar later too. But um, this is it's it's this is a fun scene. This is a really really fun scene. So Kane's listening to them, listening to everything that's going on, but he's also kind of clocking. The two goons, you know, who are clearly going in there to rob it. And then eventually he spots them like walk by with with the shock. He sees the shotgun, you know, under his under their jacket and everything. Um, And uh, so he sees them go in and everything. And of course, the goons, you know, the goons come into the the liquor store hot. Right. They they rough up some people, you know, they start shooting at the ceiling and stuff. And of course, you know. Kane's got to jump in. He's he's the hero. He's got to save some innocent lives, right? Cops got a cop. Cops got a cop. Um, and of course, you, you can't you can't fault him for this because I mean he was. What are you going to do in this situation? You know. Well, he didn't have a choice. He didn't no. have a choice. And no. so when when the when the chief gets pissed off at him later, you're like, motherfucker, what did you expect him to do? Yeah, exactly. Gonna, those, those these two zooted up, you know, uh, thugs were just going to kill whoever was in the liquor store. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so as Kane. He comes into so basically Kane comes into the liquor store hot with a roundhouse kick and he connected with that actor so apparently 
that actor missed his spot, but also Dolph Lundgren admits he kind of slipped on the floor a little bit. So it was like a, a perfect storm of two accidents. And then the director even says, like, you know, it's hard to block out Dolph Lundgren because he's a six foot tall guy who moves like he moves fast. He moves like a five foot tall dude, but he's six feet tall. And then he's trying to kick a guy and you got to account for like six feet of legs, you know, so the guy was yeah. like, it's just it's too much. But so apparently the hit that that actor takes in the movie or the the character takes is the hit that the ta- the actor takes. You see it on screen. That's the real hit. Oh, shit. Well, um, unlike JCVD, who caused Billy Blanks to go blind permanently in one eye in Cyborg. Good thing Dolph didn't do that to this guy. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Dolph is a legit martial artist, he is. right? And, yep. and then it's a, it's a beautiful looking roundhouse kick yep. that he delivers on that guy. And, and I, dare I say, if he hadn't connected that way, it might not have looked as good as it did. Cause it looks fantastic. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, that's a great kick. It looks fantastic. And that guy drops like a sack of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Method acting. I think he was apparently he was he was out before he hit the ground. Apparently, I'm sure. <laughs> but oh, it was damn. great. It, it makes for great cinema. Cinema guys. <laughs> um, so uh, so as Kane is like taking out that robber, we cut to the deal with Manning and his partners going on, and it's getting more like ominous, and to the point where he basically calls out and says that he knows he's a cop. They've known you know for weeks, and then of course his you know that guy stands up, his his uh, his partner kind of stands up, and as right. Kane draws the gun on the other robber, uh, Manning and his men are drawing their guns on the partner. So there's kind of like this parallel thing that's going at the exact same time. Um, Kane so Kane has the the other bad guy the other uh, robber dead to rights and you know he's like drop it I'm gonna shoot you obviously and the guy of course makes a move and he gets you know Kane shoots him right in the head but at the exact same time that's when they gun down Kane's partner next door Um, and I guess you can also assume that that's probably why Kane didn't hear the shots right because it sort of happened I think it was supposed to be kind of happening at the exact same time I think so. There, there's right before his partner, I think his name's Ray gets, gets, Ray, gets yeah. taken down. Um, uh, Victor says to him, what, cause they're talking about what school he went to and what degrees he has. And he's like, what school did you go to? And he goes, I went to university to suck my dick. Yeah, dude, <laughs> fucking. And that's the thing. I forgot to, to track his name, but he has partner Ray again, another actor that's only in this movie for like three minutes and is awesome for all three of it. Yeah, very, very recognizable. Um, he's been in everything. I he's, mean, he's, he's been his in a name's lot Alex of shit. Morris. He's been in a, everything. Cheese, yeah. Cheesy B movies to like mainstream shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's no, he's, he's a very, very pro- prolific character actor. Uh, but I, so that's the only thing is, yeah, I think that like probably Kane didn't hear it because uh, it was, it, it kind of happened at the exact same time as what they were sort of implying with the editing. Yeah, I think so. Um, as Manning, Victor Manning and his kind of his crew, they're like leaving the club. Um, he tells like kind of leaves four of his henchmen behind, tells him to grab all that heroin and he exits out the front door. Um, but as he does the, what is the name of the, the bad alien? Cause I just called him Math- half of my notes. I call him Matthias Hughes. And then the other half, I just call him drug dealer. But what was his name? Turok? <laughs> yeah. Turok's a badass game. Uh, Talek. Talek. Okay. I'll try to remember that. Correct me if I, Talek if I don't. Talek and Azek. Talek and Azek. Okay. Um, so Talek comes in and we, this is when we get the first like alien CD death. 
and he basically shoots his this like CD thing that flies around the room and just slices people's throats left and right. You know, not gonna lie, dude. A 1990 movie with 1990 special effects, and I'm watching it in 2020 on, like, my giant-ass fucking, like, LED TV and shit, it still looks pretty fucking good, man. Yeah, it looks cool. Like, like it's, yeah. Seriously. The, the last time I saw something like that was in uh, that Tom Selleck movie, Runaway, with the mm-hmm. heat-seeking bullets. Yeah. And uh, where they kind of do the perspective of the, of the bullet slash disc going after people. And it's great. It's totally effective. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing is, there's no CGI, everything. So, like, you know, they had yeah. to put the, the disc, like an actual real disc, you know, in front of the camera, move it around. It's all real shit. So it, it looks real and it works. And the, the stunts are great because when the people get hit in the throat, they go flying. It's it's very visceral and fun. Oh, yeah. A lot of, lot of good blood in this movie. Yeah, very much so. Kane hears the commotion, runs through the front door, and but he finds everyone is dead. Uh, the heroine is gone. The alien is gone. And then he finds his partner dead. So two things. First, when he comes into the bar, he does this, like, martial art role, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Which is, which on one hand I get, I understand. But on the other hand, it's like, look how cool I am. Look how I, look how cool I can do this role. It doesn't come across as legit to me. That's a cop doesn't do that. They don't come into a room fucking doing a barrel role. You know, they, they come into the room, like making sure that, like not guns a blazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, uh, I, I felt the same way, dude. I was it just, it just, it felt flat to me. I was like, Ooh, God, look how cool I am. It was totally a cool guy moment, you know? He has those throughout this whole movie. I know, I know. And I was very unimpressed by that role. <laughs> Maybe because he's like a fucking seven-foot-tall giant, and when you see someone that big try to to, to be smooth and do a role, you're like, eh. But, uh, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's just like, I don't... It's And it's weird because, like, the director said, like, the only problem he had with Dolph Lundgren was that he would show up on set too early. Like, he would be there early. And I'm like, he was... Apparently, he's a consummate professional. Absolutely professional. I'm not knocking him specifically. It's more just like these these scenes just don't work as well as they should. But the flip side of that, when he goes to Ray and he's, like, checking him and, you know, listening to his heart and his pulse... There's a lot of emotion there. He's yeah. Like, Come on, man. You know, like, and I feel it. He he emotes really well. He definitely emotes really well. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree just, with just, that. Just just said it that let's change up the barrel roll. Come on, <laughs> yeah, Dolph, just, de- just, Dolph deserves better than that. He does. Dolph deserves a lot better than a barrel roll. <laughs> Uh, so now, of course, we cut to it's it's the crime scene aftermath. You know, the captain arrives, you know, basically to assess the situation. He goes over to Kane. He's like, you know, I want to I want to strangle you. But now's not the time to do it because your partner's dead. And then he's like gets on him for being gone for eight months. And this begins this fun little backstory of like, not, I'm sorry, not eight months, eight weeks. I'm sorry. Jesus Christ. Eight days. So, because he says multiple times, it's not even a week. You were gone for eight days. And then, like, later, Ben Ben even says, or somebody says, like, a week. And then the captain's like, eight days. Like, he's, I love the fact that the captain was always mad about him disappearing for eight days. And then later, Diane's mad about it as well. But I love more so that we don't ever find out where what he was doing. Well, his, his, his he's got such deep, dark circles under his, under his eyes. And I feel like they really wanted to go with a Mel Gibson Riggs type of persona, right? With him uh, kind of being a little off kilter and, you know, a little, little rough around the edges, so to speak. Um, 
yeah, I think it's important. They should have they should have revealed a little bit. You know, last time you did this, you almost killed yourself. Or last time we couldn't find you, you know, you were uh, you're holed up with a fifth of vodka, and you know. Yeah, because is it a is it a bender or was he like undercover? You know, I you know I don't know. Yeah, because you never know, right? You never know. Judging by the dark circles under his eyes, like was he just stuck in a trailer, you know, beating his meat for eight days? You know, like <laughs> what's going on with a bag of Cheetos in one hand and his dick in the other? It's like <laughs> Jesus, that's a, that's a wild visual right there, buddy. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> hey, I'm the, I'll be the one to paint it for you, bro. Sure, sure. I love it, buddy. I love it. But yeah, it. and then, yeah, and, and, and I think it's, the chief is great. The chief is so yeah. good. He plays like the typical stereotype chief, which is, but just, it's good. It's effective. Yeah. Grizzled. You know what? In my head, I, I, I couldn't help it, but I made a lot of comparisons, you know, to split second and everything. And okay. easily you could yeah, do that. It's it's just because of the nature, it's you know, what it is and uh, of the story and, and the sort of the I guess the genre, because they're both like cop movies, cops versus something supernatural. But like, man, uh, this the this is just so much better crafted. Like like the acting yeah. is so much better in this. Although nothing will ever top Pete Postawaith, but you know we all we love him. But here, like you said, dude, even the captain, like it's nothing's new. There's nothing groundbreaking here. But at the same time, every actor is giving it their all. They're not phoning in any of it, which is fucking awesome. They're not. They're not. Um, you know, and and Dolph is. And I don't think Dolph is phoning in it either. I don't think he's phoning it in at all. Truly, I don't think he is. I, no, I don't think he is either. I, I think uh, I think he's doing the the best the, he can do. That's. You know? I think he's. You said it a hundred percent. He's doing the best he can do here. Yep. yep. And I I think and we just keep going back to the fact that like people pop boners over Dolph. They're just like, oh my god, this is so fucking good. Come on, guys. Really, it's it's like saying cyborgs. A classic it's not a classic he's not a great actor he's just he's but he has that x factor that makes you want to see more of him yes yeah yeah as, as much as yeah you say he's not a great actor but at the same time i can't look away from him and it's the same reason i lo- look i love chuck norris but i admit the fact that chuck norris is not a good actor there but he surrounds go. himself with good actors in his movies. That's, you know, and that's smart. And here Dolph Lundgren is absolutely surrounded by some of the best yes at this point, the FBI kind of shows up on the scene. The captain and Kane are still talking. The captain says, you know, you got eight weeks vacation. I want you to take all of it, but I can't order you, but I want you to promise me because you never break a promise. And that's a character thing that we have to remember for later. We do. And, you know, he mentions too, he's like, why don't you take that time off to patch things up when your love life? And I'm just like, okay, first of all, this was a time when, you know, uh, dipping your dick in the company pond it was like not a big deal you yeah. know it was almost like embraced and they they shoot over to diane the coroner who's like checking out the body or whatever and she gives this like winkly twinkly look over at Dolph, and i'm just like i wrote i wrote in my notes i go her that's <laughs> that's no no you know you look at showdown little Tokyo tia carrera was his love interest that makes sense that makes sense i, I think it's because even when Dolph Lundgren is trying to play an American cop, he looks so exotic 
That yeah. and she looks so she's pretty, but she's a very plain Jane kind of pretty. She looks like a mom, an eighties yeah. uh, sitcom mom. Yeah, yeah. She looks like a hot eighties sitcom mom, but she does not look like exceptional like like Dolph Lundgren does, you know. And and also too, I think it's it's also because like it's weird too because you're used to seeing um, Dolph Lundgren back in the day in the eighties and everything, and I think he dated Bridget, you know, uh, Nielsen. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, he also dated Grace um, Jones. Grace Jones so like he's you're always used to seeing him with very unique and strong women like and I'm not saying that like like unique in a bad way they are very beautifully unique but also he seems to like very intensely strong women and then you see him cast against this lady and she just seems like such like just a a, yeah just like like a like a, a suburban mom housewife type of thing you know who I would have cast? I know we th- th- saved this for another show, but but uh, Joan Severance, the mm. actress, jo- she would have been perfect. And mm. I guarantee you she was available at this time. <laughs> <laughs> that Joan would, Severance. Dude, Joan Severance. That would have been a wrong. good one. She would have been perfect, dude. That would have been a good perfect. one, buddy. Think I'm about not. it. With No Holds Barred, yep. she, made, she made Hulk Hogan look like a douche. I'll, well, he is a douche, but you know, <laughs> I'll stand. I'll stand back. I'll, I'll stand uh, with you on that one, buddy. I'll die cool. on that hill with you. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll recast that. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> so, of course, uh, Detective Switzer from the FBI kind of wants to talk to Kane. So he kind of takes him into the bathroom, talk to him privately. They have to kick out another <laughs> cop that's peeing. It's like, well, first off, should you really be peeing in, in the bathroom there? Because, like, I would imagine the whole building is, is evidence at this scene? point. is a crime scene. Yeah, you probably shouldn't be peeing right there. But, okay, anyways, <laughs> doesn't matter. We won't, we won't dwell on that too long. That's uh, one. <laughs> that's one. Uh, Switzer tells I'm going to do that to you through this whole thing now. <laughs> well, one would have been when I when I glossed over the uh, the cop at the front desk in the opening scene. That that's was two. number one. So this is number two. <laughs> You're going to have to slam me up against a car soon. Um so he takes him in there. He wants he's you know he's asking what he knows that type of thing. And uh, Kane kind of is like saying, you know, if we find the key to finding the killer is finding the weapon because he's like I've seen knife you know uh, wounds before and that's no knife wound. So he knows that the key to this is the the actual weapon itself. And so the captain, I think the uh, not captain but um, Switzer, I think he he realizes that he's like okay. This guy may sound like an idiot, but he's actually pretty smart. Life Dolph Lundgren himself. Playing armchair director, I would have been cut. Okay, that was fine, but let's do it again. <laughs> I feel like maybe they were just doing one take, and they're like, okay, how much time do you have on set? 20 more minutes? Okay, yeah, just go, just go, just go. Well, I think you're not wrong because he the director did say if he thinks he got the shot in one take he'll say it but he says if the actor says they want to try something else he goes i will always do another take for them but if i think i got it in one take we're moving on but that's why he had so much extra time on this movie and you know and so i guess the question is zach like would you rather him spend more time getting you know eking out how much better of a performance from Dolph, right? Like, I can't imagine it'll be, like, that much better. Do you want yeah. him to spend more time getting a better performance out of Dolph and then losing some of the set pieces in this or, you know, or, or the way he did it? Which which way do you think is the better way to handle it? I think because he's a star, just give him a couple more chances at a scene, you know? Okay, yeah. I, I mean, I would have liked to... It's, it, it's just a few key moments where I'm like, ooh, barrel roll. Let's do that scene one more time. Let's see what it looks like. You come in like a typical cop, 
Maybe, maybe, but maybe the director being from that stuntman background was like, I'm going to try something different. Well, sometimes there's a reason why people don't try something different and they go with the tried and true because it looks better. There's sometimes there's a reason why cops don't enter a room by rolling into a barrel <laughs> roll and hiding behind a table. There's a reason for that because it's silly and it like wasn't even fast. Like you would have been faster by just jumping there, you know, like just yeah. running to it. You weren't faster. He like entered the door, then rolled. I can't, believe we're, I can't believe we're stuck on the barrel roll. Sorry. <laughs> that's Sorry. awesome. All you're right. going to be, to me, you're going to be like, that's two. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's two. You're stuck on it. Uh, Switzer uh, tells Kane that these are no ordinary murders. Uh, Kane, you know, that's why I say Kane thinks the key to the killer is finding the weapon. And so basically now uh, Switzer is impressed by this and he tells the captain to put Kane back on the case. And Switzer says he'll send his partner over in the morning. Um, and then of course the captain's like, I like how the captain's like, he can't go on the case. He's going on, on vacation. He said he was going on vacation. And then, you know, I like how Dolph was like, well, I said I was going to go. I didn't promise I was going to go tomorrow. I was like, yeah. (laughs) And so that's fun. Like, I like that. There's, he does do some good stuff. And as much as we're going to call out the bad shit, we're going to call out the good shit too. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. This makes for better, better podcast when you, when you goof a little bit of course of course of course <laughs> but but we're but that's not what we're known for we're known for the love so so uh, the, the, yeah this is a this is more this is more balanced <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've been we've been definitely we've been giving this one the the, the treatment real <laughs> right there's from some the guy listening right now he's like god damn it look i had that poster on my wall dude i had the original i come in peace poster on my wall i love that so nice i love i love me some Dolph. don't get i had a showdown in little tokyo poster on my wall I had a Demon Knight poster on my wall, and then I shaved my head when I was uh, 14 or 15. Like B. Zane? Like like Billy Zane, and, you know, didn't, because I'm kind of naive, I didn't even put together the fact that I looked like a skinhead, because I'm, you know, like, oh. ghostly white, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, but he was so cool. I was like, but no, I'm Billy Zane from, they're like, no, you're a skinhead. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. I'm not, but all right. Anyways... <laughs> I wanted to say, I had a great segue, but you had some good stuff to say right then, though. But I was about to say, and the good stuff is about to start right now as Special Agent Smith, a.k.a. Brian Ben-Ben, enters the captain's office. B-D-E. Oh, man, dude. Dude, this entire movie, from this point on, I fucking love every minute that Brian Ben-Ben is in it. He is a dream on, dream come true. No doubt. Cub Scout. <laughs> and dude, it seen him on the uh, the documentary t- talking about this movie. He, he like he's so f- like happy and and seems so like chipper and upbeat and had nothing but great things to say about this movie. And I'm like, that made me love fucking Brian Ben Ben even more. He probably liked having the opportunity to play a role that he wouldn't be typically cast in, you yeah. know? It reminded me of like when um Dennis Miller got cast in Bordello of Blood, you know? It's like, whoa, that's kind of different and that was when dennis miller was cool and wasn't a wackadoo you know and and like that's when i i thought that's great i love seeing people cast against type i love that you know harvey keitel playing a gangster in every single movie that he was doing for the longest time i didn't mind it so much but i was like but then when i got to see him you know play a uh, monkey uh wrangler in central park in monkey trouble i was happy about that what what's monkey trouble (laughs) Monkey Trouble? Oh, look it up. Monkey Trouble is a 
a straight to video movie with Harvey Keitel and a monkey. He and he's like an evil uh, monkey handler in Central Park. <laughs> okay, okay, all right. Well, we're gonna table that one for later, buddy. And uh, I'll add that to the mental mental rolodex of things to check out later. Um, back to come in peace. <laughs> oh God, I love it. So yeah, Brian Benbin comes in hot as Agent Smith, uh, introduces himself to Kane. Kane's clearly unimpressed. Uh, Smith comes off very like slimy and says that he'll be reporting to daily to Switzer. So no more disappearances for a week. And this is when the captain goes eight days. I, I love that. I was like, that's great. That's great little character moments. Just I love that the captain's still pissed off about that. And uh, as they're arguing. Diane the coroner uh, she the Diane the coroner comes in with a ballistics report uh, clearly her and Kane know each other Diane says that the wounds were straighter and smoother than she could do with a scalpel so of course that is a, like some kind of a it's a red flag you know yeah. uh, Kane follows Diane out to sort of talk to her but she's like she's all pissed that he was gone for eight days and then they kind of have a little spat and she walks away <laughs> mad of course right and then that's when uh, Smith, uh, Brian Ben Ben, comes up next to Kane and says, that's a healthy relationship you got there. And that's when Kane says, that's one, and points at his, at his face. And, you know, and Smith and, and Kane exit the police station, you know, and everything to go outside. Uh, but real quick, like, I'm with you, man. When he says, that's one, it just, it didn't, there was just, it was like. It's flat. Yeah, it's, it's flat. That's That's the word for it. It was just flat. So, because yeah, it's the way he the way he delivers it, you're just like, okay. And what do you mean, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, he barely even knows this guy, and you, it just comes off a little disingenuous. Ben Ben is Ben Ben's Ben Ben's Ben 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 Ben's Ben Ben baby. <laughs> uh, as as they exit the police station, they're still kind of talking. Um, ben Brian Ben Ben sort of giving him like critiquing his outfit, critiquing yeah, his attire, I and, say, I, and saying like, you know. Like, like what you present yourself is what, you know, the first impression that people tell the world or something like that. And he's like, what does my impression tell you about me? And he's like, that you should be riding in the trunk. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, that, that was, was clever. That was funny. Yeah. I, I like that. I was like, that's ah, fine. Uh, and then I also like how he's like saying how, you know, he wants to go and, and I think talk to the coroner, talk to the experts. He's like, you know, you use, you use the experts for their expertise, you know? And I like that. I, was, I thought that was pretty smart, but Kane he goes with his gut. So right now we see that Smith is very much by the books. It's it's all your typical shit. Like on paper, this is all your typical cop shit, right? He goes by the books. Kane's the you know goes by his gut, the hard boiled detective. But what elevates this movie is the 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 personas that are the the people that are inhabiting these characters, like Brian Ben Ben, and like even with you know even with Dolph Lundgren's you know that's one falling in flat. There's, I still can't look away from him. Like, I'm still, like, enthralled by him, you know? I just, every time he opens his mouth, I'm like, eh, that's a little flat. Yeah, this was after, he did this movie before Showdown and after The Punisher. And okay. so he, and he, and having the dark hair in the movie was, to me, was like, oh, this is different. This is like New Dolph. Yeah. Dolph with dark, yeah. dark Dolph. D- dark Dolph is, yeah, the, 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 yeah, the, the He's Punisher a dark Dolph. angel. Yeah. Oh, oh, it's a dark angel. 
No, still no, sucks. Yeah, I no, come in pieces way terrible. better. No, it's terrible. Uh, <laughs> cut to an abandoned building. Um, some homeless people are there. A homeless lady is kind of like in one of the rooms of the building, and she is kind of like mumbling to herself and putting away some bags and stuff. All of a sudden, you know, the same sound that you heard at the beginning of the movie of whatever is entering the atmosphere, and then boom, the wind, the like the wall, the windows explode, and then like whatever it is goes through multiple walls. So she kind of follows the trail. And then the other guy who, you know, at this point we don't know who's good, who's bad or whatever, but the other alien kind of stands up and she's like, Holy shit. It's Kevin Nealon. It's Kevin Nealon. And if you guys have never seen this movie, this guy has um, like a, a mullet, uh, normal mullet, but then they, on purpose to give him this alien look, shave the front of his forehead, you know, to the middle of his f- head. So he kind of has this giant forehead, essentially. Like Kevin Nealon. Like Kevin Nealon. <laughs> yeah, it's like a monk haircut. It's a yeah. monkalit. It's a it, monkalit. It's a monkalit because, because it's, like it's a, a monk haircut with a mullet. Yep, you're right. It's a yep. monkalit. Good call. <laughs> Good call. I, that's how I will. Uh, I'll take. A, I'll show a picture of him online, and I'll, I'll tag it. Munkle it. Tag. Good don't one. tag Kevin Nealon. Kevin Nealon be like, shit. I'm just gonna go smoke some weed now and do some bad jokes. <laughs> oh, I love Kevin Nealon. I, I do too. I do too. I'm Kevin busting Nealon. his balls. Busting he his balls. was He's funny. He was one of my favorite SNL guys. I absolutely love Kevin Nealon. I loved his bit. What was the um, um. Uh, where he would mumble things. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking. It's like Mister Honest or something like that, where he'd say like the the, the real thing he meant. He would say, yeah. "Yeah, I know what you mean." Subtle, like, uh, nah, fuck it. Yeah, it'll come back to me. If you guys know it, you know it. It's yeah, I know. Which, I know the bit you're talking about, and I always like that one too. Um, Kane and Smith are at the nightclub <laughs> trying to figure out the the you know the the scene. They're kind of like you know. Smith thinks he can figure it out all through his analytics and stuff. And, you know, Kane's like, hey, why don't you, you know, stand over here? Now stand over here. He's like, now what do you think? And basically Smith's like, I don't know. And he's like, what do you think? And Kane's like, I don't know. But I like how, you know, Kane's more honest about it. He's like, I don't know. So they're trying to figure it out. They can't kind of wrap wrap their heads around what happened at this crime scene. And so, you know, he's like, I want to go basically let's go think essentially, you know. And uh, it's an interesting scene, by the way, because I just have to say, like, I think it bothered me as a kid because it kind of took me out of the moment uh, energy wise. It's a it's a shift in energy where they're kind of like trying to break down a scene or break down a crime scene from from their initial kind of interaction, which was tense and negative. And now they're like trying to be detectives and take it seriously. As, as a kid, I was like, I don't like this. But as an adult, I was like, no, this is cool. It's 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 something different. It's something yeah. different. It is. It is because they they leave it and then they kind of get the inspiration and they come back to it. And they come I don't, back I don't think to you, it. You don't really see that a lot. I feel like you'd see them just solve it all right there. And I like that they had to kind of like walk away to kind of wrap their heads around it because – you know, I mean, we saw what happened with the CD and everything, but you watch the movie, you got to understand the they don't know what the CD thing is. They know bullets, they know knives, they know normal shit. They can't figure this thing out. And I no. I'll, I really like how Kane puts it together, and we'll, we'll get to that in a second, but I like how it kind of clicks for him. It's funny, like, again, aside from his, like, sometimes, sometimes flat acting, I but I like the character. 
Like I like I like Kane the character. I think he's well written. I think sometimes Dolph just delivers things a little flat. Sometimes, Agreed. not always. Agreed. Hey everybody, Corey here. I just wanted to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. Hey everybody, welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim, and with me today in studio is co-host Dean. Oh, hey, Dean. hey, Tim. Dean. Huh? Uh, this isn't a full episode. This is actually just an ad. All we have to do is tell everyone that our podcasts come out on Mondays and they can find us on their favorite podcatcher. If they're into movies, comics, or video games, they should definitely check us out. Oh, well then, thanks everybody for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Talking back. Hello! La la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. And now, back to the show. We cut to a kind of like a, a bail bonds business thing, a, a guy kind of like running a bail, bail bonds business. And he's drinking eggnog at the desk. You can tell it's sort of like after hours, but he still opens. He's still open. And then he hears like his dog barking outside. So he grabs his shotgun. And I like the fact that like this guy's no pussy. He's like, fuck you all. He grabs his shotgun, you yeah. know? Because it's, I mean, and think about it. He's, you've seen Jackie Brown. He's, he's a bail bondsman. He's a fucking bounty hunter, this guy right here. It's yeah. like, Again, and, and this actor, whoever this guy is, does a great fucking job for all two minutes that he's in the movie. But um, so he grabs a shotgun, and as he turns around, like Matthias Hughes was sort of standing by the window, and he sort of moves quickly. So the guy sort of sh- you know shoots and blows out the window. The the power is out too, by the way, because Matthias Hughes cuts out the power. But he shoots out the window, and then he kind of like stupidly sticks his head out the window to see where the guy went to, and that's when you know Matthias Hughes standing next to him just grabs him and throws him on the ground and what he does is he rips the guy's shirt open he has this device on his arm that shoots out a needle that's connected to a wire that sort of seems like it can fly in space a little bit like fly through the air and and kind of hone in on a target shoots it into his chest you don't fully know what's happening but he shoots it into his chest some liquid gets pumped into his chest and then the guy you can't tell if he's dead or not but he looks like you know his eyes are open you find out later that what he is it's he's having a heroin overdose and he's just basically chock full of endorphins and he's he's odin happily and this is actually where i think that the name of the movie dark angel comes from because when he when the alien kills people 
they're happy because he just pumps them full of heroin. So I think yep. that's where the, the angel aspect of it, like he's kind of making them happy when he kills them. But he also has a blade, or I'm sorry, like a giant needle thing that comes out of his other sort of wrist uh, mechanics. He's got some cool like stuff on him, um, like gear and shit. And he fucking just slams that into the guy's forehead. And right now, that's all you see, okay? Um, that's all sort of we know. Moving forward, I wrote because I wrote all this down. Moving forward, since he does the same procedure to multiple different people, in my notes, I just refer to it as the business. Like he's giving somebody the business, you know. So move, instead of writing everything down, I go, okay, he gives this person the business. So if you That's guys funny. hear me refer to it as the business, just know that it's the something gets pumped into your heart, you kind of OD on heroin, and then you get your fucking brains, uh, you know, slammed with the the needle, and that's the business. I wish, by the way, I wish the needle. I like that. I love the business, by the way, uh, and I wish the needle came back into play at the end, the finale, because it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Even the the other thing does the the harpoon does, but the yeah. needle doesn't, and it seems like yeah, we'll get to it. But it seems like he could have used that as a as a weapon or something uh, yeah. later. So yeah, you're right, you're right. But I will say the effects on this, all of the special effects are good. Uh, apparently, the I don't know the person's name, but apparently the effects person that he used was the apprentice of like the guy who did Predator, the guy who did Die Hard, and I'm not saying like Stan Winston who did like the the bodysuit and everything. I'm saying like the 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 guys who do like the general effects in Predator and everything. You know the yeah. explosions, the Jesse the Body Ventura's chest exploding, all that kind of stuff. This guy I think was his apprentice. So I mean that's that's like a those are big movies that his that you know he worked on because he he worked on those as well too. Yeah, the the cinematography is really good in this. The uh, editing is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the music is great. The special effects look really good. The stunts are fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I shit. If our only complaint is the lead actor overall, you know, there's nothing in the lead. You know, if 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 Cyborg, if everybody did their fucking job correctly in Cyborg, and that move, like that he and JCVD was surrounded with quality actors in Cyborg, that movie would have been a completely different movie. We would have been hailing that movie. The flip side of that is I Come in Peace, where we're like, okay, he's pulling in a decent JCVD-level job, and but everyone else is doing a damn fine job around him. And I think, I mean, I, you're 100% correct. I am on board with everything you're saying, and I think the reason that we're harping on Dolph so much is there really isn't a lot negative to say about this movie. And it just, and it's also because everyone else really does shine that it really, it's one of those things where a lot of times other, you know, like if an actor can help elevate another actor, this isn't the case. The other actors are shining beautifully. And Dolph is again, doing his best best that he can possibly do and maybe you know what maybe, maybe this is a 10 for Dolph you know maybe the, you know Brian Bimbit did elevate him you know and everything maybe without all these stellar actors around him this would be even worse like Dolph would have been even worse but yeah he's sadly he's the weakest link he's also our main character which is that's a hard thing to sort of get past but it's also kind of the only bad thing about this movie or the biggest bad thing about the movie yeah I just I just I don't think you can always get away with a scene by smiling and yeah. having your hair look really cool, you know, 
George Clooney can do that. He's but he's also a really good actor too. Yeah, he's also a fantastic actor. Yeah, exactly. So exactly. That's probably the only guy who can do that. <laughs> yeah, Maybe yeah. Robert Redford. Maybe Paul <laughs> Newman. Maybe no, I'm kidding. Oh man, those those, those classic uh, those classic guys. Oh, Maybe Burt Reynolds. Maybe Burt Reynolds. <laughs> but no way, he has no hair. So I know, and well, he's dead because he's so. dead. <laughs> Jesus God! <laughs> oh God! Man, it's called Spade a Spade. Yeah, James well, Spade. <laughs> it's James Spader. <laughs> oh man! Oh buddy, get ready for some 1990 big fake boob orbs. Um, <laughs> Kane takes uh, Smith to like a strip club slash bar slash pool hall. I was like, I don't think you needed the lady stripping here, to be honest with you. Um, not that I'm complaining, although they weren't like tens or anything, but you know, I'm not going to complain. It's always, it's always fun and nostalgic to see giant fake nineties boobs. I will say though, scenes like this definitely alienate a certain audience, the female audience, because scenes like this come on and, Girls will be watching this, women will be like, oh, really? Why do we got to do that? You know, like this was a, that that just I know why they did that scene. It was to show Ben Ben has got a side to him that, OK, this guy's cool. Like, yeah. he, he, you know, he, he he can he can party. He can be like he can be cool. This scene and then the scene at Kane's house when he drinks. Yeah. The, you know? Yeah. Yep. So I think that's my feeling is that's why they did it. But I see why this would alienate. And also, too, this is the, you know, people might say, well, what's the big deal? Well, this is exploiting women. Like, let's let's be honest, in today's culture, you know. And so, like, if you're going to do it, make sure she's hot. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, ultimately, the biggest problem I have with it is that. She's not that hot. <laughs> you like how I did that? I, yeah, I was like yeah. feeding you. I was about to do the whole cancel culture thing. And then I was like, <laughs> not it. I, I'm, I'm very 44. Impressed, very <laughs> I love it, dude. I love it. Uh, oh, but we do get a, uh, this is, this is our one little scene with Michael J. Pollard. He, uh, as you AKA said earlier, he boner. plays boner. <laughs> it's fucking dude. What was the, what's up with the name boner? It was this character. And then was it growing pains? His, his friend, was named boner on that too right boner who was um walter koenig's son who committed suicide oh shit boner was walter koenig's son yeah and he committed suicide yeah damn okay well moving on that's a downer so let's go back to michael j pollard (laughs) with his hetero his black hetero life mate cowboy yeah right yeah. apparently yeah I'm like, the guys Wait, those playing... guys are together what's what <laughs> the guy he's playing pool with so yeah so so uh michael j power yeah. playing boner is <laughs> yeah is uh playing pool with another guy and uh uh kane sees him it's like all right i'm gonna go over here go talk to this guy because you know i'm gonna get some information out of him and he asks boner where victor manning is and where the drugs are boner says the drugs aren't on the street and i i don't remember if this is where he finds out i think he doesn't know where victor manning is he goes the the white boys think the cops have the heroin and i was like okay this is kind of cool like they're the you know a bunch of drugs got stolen but they're not on the street the white boys think the cops did it the cops think the white boys did it you know no one's thinking that an alien did it but it's it's the information that he's getting is that the the drugs aren't on the street that's what's like the the main bit of information here and it's a funny scene because kane sticks his gun in his cock and 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 boner's like ah, yeah ah, yeah ah, and he's like putting his eyes darting his eyes back and forth and, 
Michael J. He's such a weird actor. And knowing what we know about Michael J. Pollard, he apparently always improvs, doesn't use a bit of script at all. So I guarantee you, like, all that shit was improv. And that's probably why he's in movies for, like, five minutes. Probably. Probably. (laughs) Yep. Yep. You're probably right. Except he was so good in Roxanne, the movie Roxanne, the Steve Martin movie with the nose. Well, yeah. And he was fucking good in, um, oh, Oh, God. Uh, uh, Split second. Bonnie and Clyde. He's fucking great in Bonnie and Clyde. Well, yeah, he. I mean, he's a really good actor. He and he steals the scene that he's in. Yeah, he, yes, he does. He he is awesome in this scene, and I always love seeing him. Um, but Kane Kane kind of lets him go, you know, kind of get out of here type of thing. And then he sees people playing pool, and it clicks for him. We don't know what yet, but he clicks for him. We cut back to the nightclub crime scene. Uh, him and you know Smith are there. Kane says he thinks that the weapon is a projectile that ricochets around like a cue ball, and he starts basically tracing the path, following the CD around, uh, you know where it's going and everything, and he kind of shows where it goes, and then he kind of traces the path of where it could be, and it leads to a music speaker with like a little slit, you know, in the front of it. So they pop off the front of the music speaker, and it's in there. The The blade, the CD blade is in there. It's embedded. It's vibrating. It, you can tell it's like vibrating everything. Smith tries to grab it, but it cuts his, his finger. He's like, ow, you know. And uh, uh, so he's like, okay, I know how to do this. So he kind of kind of uses both of his hands to put one finger on the bottom, one finger on the top. But as soon as he dislodges it, it goes flying around the room. It just goes everywhere. It almost kills them, those two. They dive out of the way, and it flies back into the speaker. And, you know, and then, of course, like, you know, Kane's, like, looking at it, saying, oh, that's a hell of a weapon. Although he's looking directly at it with his, like, face right at the thing. I would be afraid that thing would unlodge again and come shooting out again. Agreed. That was my only note. I was like, get your face away from that, buddy. Um, <laughs> we cut back to the the brunette alien. <laughs> That's a, I started because, all right, he's a cop. All right. He, uh, like, we'll spoil it now, but the cop alien, he, he's a good guy. So the cop alien's kind of looking around, tracking the other alien. Uh, cut back to a parking garage, and a parking attendant is kind of like driving a cart around, like some sort of weird sweeper maybe a, a sweeper cart thing i don't yeah. know it's it's weird but it's a golf cart is, it's like a modified golf cart yeah and it, yeah i don't know what it is but the music's great because it's like it's 1990s rap about some yeah. ugly bitch it, it is and i think it's a i feel like it was a christmas song or something too <laughs> I think so and, too. and like is this supposed to be a take on die hard with the with argyle and the, yeah you know playing Hall, christmas and Hollis? but yeah it's like I've turned on the lights and she had a buck tooth. I didn't write the lyrics now, but <laughs> the whole song is about how ugly this woman is. <laughs> it's like, this so is great. great. <laughs> I fucking love this song, man. Oh man. <laughs> oh dude. But uh, so of course the guy's driving, bopping and bebopping with his giant headphones with the huge antenna sticking out of them. Yeah. I'm like oh, 1990. Oh god. But uh, of course, uh, Matthias Hughes jumps up, kind of right in front of him. The guy screams, you know, slams on his brakes. He kind of grabs him from the side, slams him on the ground, and gives him the business. <laughs> now, now I must point out. Uh, when he pulled bail bondsman out and, and gave him the business, he said, I come in peace. I come in peace. Right? When he pulled him out for this guy, he did not say, I come in peace. No. So he- I'm saying this guy is a racist alien. <laughs> You're probably right. You're probably fucking right he is. God damn these fucking aliens, man. 
good blonde call, good hair, call. white eyes. Yeah, it doesn't Typical. get any whiter. Uh, but, but we do get like more of the business this time. We actually see him extract the clear liquid from from the guy's brain. So like you know they're they're giving us a little bit more information. Um, but right then and there, the fucking cop alien pops up and fucking Matthias Hughes like turns around and starts shooting and blowing up cars and shit. And they start running and fucking this is when when the the bad guy, the drug dealer, when Matthias Hughes is running on the fucking cars while the other alien guy is shooting at him. Now here's where you see this gun that they have. Dude, I love this gun. I mean, it's no RoboCop gun, like of the of the the annals of of you know movie lore. It's not like you know in the top ten or anything, but it's fun. It's a fun gun. It's got a massive muzzle flare on it, and I love the fact that the movie like puts forth the idea that man, every bullet is explosive, and everything it shoots explodes. I love that. I love. Yeah, apparently it's it's it was a real gun, like a real it's based on a real gun that they just modified. Modified, yeah. But um I love exploding guns, like yes. guns that, with exploding bullets. A la and I'll go back to it again, Runaway. Yep. Tom Tom Selleck movie with Gene Simmons that exploding those missile bullets uh or, you know, um uh in Predator, the guy with the the the, the cannon gun that shoots mm-hmm. out those, you know. I love those. I just love anything that has a big explosion. Me too. I do, I I love I love like rapid fire like things that explode and i also love like shot like automatic shotguns you know yeah. that just like it's like jesus that's that's insane but yeah the the guns in this are great um the apparently uh because of the modification that they did to it um that flame that shoots out they said they went he said they we went through thousands of firing pins just melted them just melted firing pins left and right on those wow. guns so so apparently the there's a name for him, not prop master, but I get the gun master, whatever the, the gun person was like, he was basically replacing uh, firing pins on that gun every single scene. But this shot right here, this is when Matthias Hughes runs on the cars as they're exploding. So there's, cool. There is no, there's no wire work holding him up. This isn't something that you see in, in the matrix where you can tell that the person's has a wire holding them, that they're running. He is fucking like taking strides like he's fucking taking cars in like one stride because this motherfucker's like seven feet tall it's awesome yeah people need to recognize that you know they trip balls over like oh my god the matrix did this whole thing and like go back in your early movie lore of the early 90s and look at shit like this to get an example of hardcore stunts that were done in the united states it wasn't just jackie chan in hong kong doing crazy stuff like we were doing it here too it was just on a smaller scale yeah, and they would, they, I mean, they admit, everyone admits that you would never be able to make this movie nowadays because all the actors were so close to all the explosions. He's like, even Dolph was like, this would all be done in green screen nowadays. You just, yeah. you wouldn't have any of the actors in, but that's what makes this movie pr- remarkable. That Look, That's no what makes died. this movie beautiful. No one, no died. one died. No one got, no one got their fucking eyebrows burned off or nothing. Like, from... Everything that I understand about this movie, it was an explosive, like, um, you know, set, but in a good way. Like, everyone had a good time. It was very safe, but there was explosions going off, like, every day. <laughs> yeah. You know, Billy Blanks didn't lose an eye and they created Tybo. Exactly. So. Exactly. <laughs> good old Tybo. You know, oh, if Tybo man. was never made, we would never have Drops of Jupiter, that song by Train, because oh. we wouldn't have... She she listens to Mozart while she does Tybo. 
<laughs> Chops of Jupiter, dude. That's a song I haven't heard in fucking ever. <laughs> nice to cover that song. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dude, that's fucking awesome, man. And by the way, guys and gals out there, I have heard Zach uh, play before, sing and play. He's fucking awesome, guys. Oh, he is, he's awesome. Zach thanks. is the real deal. I saw Zach uh, at the Viper Room, dude. You were you played yeah. at the Viper Room one time, so that was that really was, fucking cool. That was cool. one of my last gigs before Bodie was born. I was so stoked about that. That was awesome, bro. I'm really yeah. glad I got to see that. Thanks, man. dude. And there was there was no like, you know, ugly naked dancer. No, no, it was, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's finish this scene off real quick. So basically, what was the bad alien's name? Well, a- Aztec. Uh, oh. Uh, 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 to, uh, to, to Kevin Neelak, uh, <laughs> Turok and Ke- yep, no, I got it, buddy. Turok and Kevin Neelak. No, no, okay, tur- it's not, it's not Turok. Turok is a, the, tur- is a video Turok game now. character. I, oh, I know, buddy. Oh, I know because uh, I love, I love the Turok game for the Nintendo uh, 64. It was great. Turok was badass. Was that the caveman guy or whatever? Uh, no, he was, he was a, like an, like Native American guy fighting dinosaurs. Yes. 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 All right. So Talek. Talek, Talek and Kevin Az- Nealak. Nope. Ta- Talek and Kevin Nealak. <laughs> Mr. Subliminal. It's Mr. <laughs> there Subliminal. Go. There it's it. That's it. That's it. Mr. Yes, Subliminal. Good job, buddy. Good job. Yes. All right. So Kane and Smith take the speaker with the blade in it back to Kane's place. Of course, Smith is protesting kind of the whole time. And this is really interesting, and I absolutely love this. We get inside, we go inside Kane's place, and Smith is impressed. And so are we. We look around, and, you know, you're expecting split second. You're expecting the hardball detective to have the shitty-ass apartment, and I love that they flipped it and... He's got great taste. He's got a beautiful apartment. He has like he drinks wine. He you know he does not drinking beer and whiskey. He drinks wine. He they're presenting him as being very sophisticated <laughs> and like clean yeah. and put together. I was like this is this is fucking cool. I really like this. But it's funny. He's like, you want some wine? And he's like, <laughs> I know. You want some wi- wine? You want some wine? wine? <laughs> and I'm like, really? Okay, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's it, I I know, I know, dude. It's it's like one minute you're like, oh, this is awesome, and then and then Dolph opens his <laughs> mouth, and the and the line lands flat. But at the yeah, it, but then at yeah. the same time, I'm like, I still want to be next to you. Like no, I no, still want to be near you. <laughs> and 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 I need to reiterate this again. I think Dolph Lundgren's the fucking man. I think he's awesome. I, but call a spade a spade. You call know? a spader a spader, man. It's like I love Masters of the Universe. I really do. And. And, you know, it, yeah, he's just, his delivery is, it, it's just, it's a little cringe inducing. Yeah. It is. I, I felt the same way, dude. I, this is, this is why Dolph was never one of my, my favorites, man. It was, it was always uh, Arnold and JCVD were my two top favorites. And, you know, it's, it's funny because they, they have also thick accents as well, but why don't why do they enunciate better like why do they have so much energy behind it whereas his just kind of falls like flat is now that being said i don't know it could be the swedish background like i don't know like that it could also be that environment you know like all cultures sort of have different sort of levels of energy that they put into in, into the the conversation and i maybe that's it i don't know but you know dolph dolph was given more uh chuck norris screen time than jcvd and arnold arnold and jcvd were given more like they were in a lot more action set pieces maybe because 
Dolph, I don't know. Dolph had more scenes where he was actually acting, Yeah, you know, having to carry a scene like, yeah. like Chuck did. And then Chuck, you know, Chuck, it works sometimes for Chuck and more times than not, it didn't work for Chuck, but I still love the, I love all those motherfuckers. Come on. Yeah. Steven Seagal can still suck my ass cause he's a, he's a piece of shit, but I, but I still love above the law. How about I, that? I love Under Siege. I was. I love I was Under a, Siege too. I mean, I you know was that a Steven fucker. Fan. My only problem with Steven Seagal now is is the fact that he uh, he showed up at Brandon Lee's funeral and started speaking to the press uh, while the funeral was taking place, saying that he was a friend of the family's. He wasn't even invited to the funeral. They didn't even. Brandon Lee didn't even know him. Oh, Steve. So oh, he's Steven. a piece of shit. So he can go fuck himself. But outside of that, I like his some of his movies. So. <laughs> watch him hear this and come kill us <laughs> yeah now he's probably in russia hanging out with some dude probably probably smoking a bowl and playing music because he's a good <laughs> musician he was funny on saturday night saturday night live too steven seagal was yeah he was on? really I good i never on saw it. him on saturday night oh live. dude I, I used to have that on tape oh no shit i'm gonna have to go look that up okay yeah. all right uh interesting all right uh <laughs> smith wants to take the disc but kane says that the this case means a lot to him more than it means to you. And if you try to take this, I'm going to hit you very hard. I yeah, like, that. I love that. Jinx. Yeah. And this is when Ben Ben gets the wine. Yeah. And he gets a healthy pour and he drinks that fucking thing. Like it was grape juice. He does. He in one it. gulp. Doesn't one gulp. He's like, not bad, but you can tell like he's doing it like to kind of be like sort of a jerk back to him or whatever, like kind of <laughs> yeah. j- trying to be macho and yeah. God, I love it so much, man. Yeah, it's Brian great. Ben Ben, you, every time Brian Ben Ben's on screen, I'm like, just, just be Brian Ben Ben and you're going to just nail it. And you, you do. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> if if they had a lesser actor in his role, this movie would have, yeah, not as been as good. No, no, Brian Ben Ben really brings the energy level up like it, through the roof, and it makes this. you wonder like what happened to this guy? Why he should be in more shit? The the Ben Ben. I I've always felt that way. Although you look at his IMDb, he's he's got a lot of credits. But at the same yeah, he's time, doing like fine, but... but like why do I only know him as Dream On? You know, like why have I not seen him in anything else but Dream On in this? And yet, and yet, whenever I see him, I'm like Brian Ben Ben Dream right? On. You know, I, I don't know, dude. I really don't because he's fantastic. He really and he looks great too. I don't know, maybe because he's fucking like five foot one. Maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. You know, but then again, it's like, you know, yet Paul Reiser gets all these fucking gigs and which is fine because I like Paul Paul Reiser. I do, too. But but let's be honest. I'm sure, uh, uh, you know, uh, Burke Carter J was a big get for him, kind of like to to elevate him up, you know, with aliens and everything. So, yeah, no, I I like like to look (laughs) at guys like that. This is not Brian Ben Ben's aliens. That's for sure. No, no, no. But but I think like, you know, look at other actors that. Of, that looks similar, you know, yeah. Tim Matheson mm-hmm. or something like that. I'm like, he could play those roles. Mm-hmm. Come on, give him a shot. Give give Brian Binman more work, guys. Just yeah. do it. Uh, Smith says he'll he's leaving. He'll pick him up tomorrow at 7 a.m., pick up Kane tomorrow at 7 a.m. 
Kane sits on his couch, and I love how it's just it's it's so perfectly film, you know, set up. Like no one would have the picture. First off, facing away, so it's like facing right at the camera as the camera dollies over, you know. It's yeah. like, oh my god. So it's so blocked out. But yeah, there's a picture of him and and Diane in this like I mean, it looks like a Sears photo, you know. And I'm like, It's a swing at a school is what yeah. it is. They're sit they're on a swing. He's on she's on his lap. So I guarantee you they were just shooting something, like one scene. They were probably next to a school or a park, and they're like, guys, we need a picture for the for the you know, the the desk. Let's just run over here, change your shirt, you know. You, Diane, will give you a whole new hairstyle. For some reason you'll get a whole new hairstyle today. But uh yeah, it's it was clearly just filmed real or, or shot real quick and then let's just put it in a frame. Yeah. <laughs> I just <laughs> I just I can't get over the fact that they're so different looking. I know, I know, I know. I dated a girl like that once, where people were like, "No offense, dude, but why, why are you dating her?" <laughs> I think Matt and Terry were like, "I don't know if that's the right girl for you, bro." And I'm like, <laughs> "Why?" I don't know, man. She's 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 really trashy. <laughs> and good, they called it, dude, because next guy she hooked up with, she got pregnant. Yeah. Yeah, so, sometimes, you know what, sometimes your friends know you better than you know yourself. They definitely did. Yeah, and especially good friends like Terry and Matt. Yes, bros over Diane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Of course, of course, typical uh, uh, movie editing, cut to Diane's place, and Kane is at the front door. Uh, he she, she lets him in. And as he's like walking in, she gives him a slap. Of course, a couple slaps. Those are three real, times. Three, three times. Those were uh, real hits. Uh, uh, Dolph, Dolph said, "Just do it," and uh, she did it. And that, and he took it. He didn't even blink. I was like, Jesus Christ! But he's then again, Dolph he's fucking like, Lundgren. he's Dolph, he's fucking seven foot tall, Dolph Lundgren. So, <laughs> and she's like five. She's like Brian Benben's height, you know. So yep. it's crazy. But of course, they kiss, and uh, like she's like, just promise me something. Promise me anything. Promise me, you know, you'll call me on the weekends. Promise me you'll meet my parents. You know, just promise me anything, like you promise other people. And he doesn't promise shit. And when he's when he doesn't promise her shit, I go, "How long has this fucker been dating her?" And he's never promised her, but he's promised all these other people. Yeah. Wow. She she. Wow. He's a dog. He's, he's a dog. He's a dog. And Am she I, just you know she's going for that that BD. I mean, gots to baby, gots to. So they hook up. <laughs> that was my note. They hook up. Uh, the next day. Kane's going back to his apartment. So so he spent the night at Diane's place. He goes back to his apartment and he finds the front door open and you can already tell in the living room that the place is tossed. You know, it's already been tossed. Uh, he's walking through the apartment with his gun drawn and then kind of Smith sort of round, you know, walks around the corner and, and, you know, Kane grabs him, kind of pushes him down. Smith's like, don't, don't shoot. It's me, you know? And, uh, he got there. Apparently he got there first. Uh, he's, he's like, I think you've been robbed. That was, it was a great delivery. It's <laughs> and, really Kane, funny. and I like how even Kane was like, you think I, that was a good one. That like, that yeah. was a good exchange. It was perfect. And, yeah, it was. That was perfect. That might have been improv. Like, that might have been just Brian Bimbin going, I think you're robbed, and, and Dolph Lundgren going, you think? It was good. That was a <laughs> yeah. good one. Um, he's like, did they, you know, where's the where's the blade? And he asked where the disc is, and Kane said he left it with a friend. And we're going to cut to real quick to a female 
mechanic, like a female car mechanic, mm-hmm. working in a garage, working on some cars. Fun little scene. I thought she was going to be somebody, but no, she's just a victim. Um, she's working on a car. The Matthias Hughes comes up behind her, grabs her, gives her the business. It's a good scene. I mean, like, like the like she's it's a whatever, but like you actually get to see him sink it into her head on this one, which is cool. Yeah, no, and she's it 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 works. Yeah, it's believable. Yeah. I, I'm like she works on cars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's I'm cute. Sexist. She works on cars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sexist. I, I'm buying it, but I'm sexist. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I like it, and you know. Again, like all the special effects are good in this. Like the the fake head, like the way he shoots, the director shoots it so that like yeah. it looks like he's like. But they use a fake head so that when Matthias actually punches the thing in, you can see like the the hit that it takes that the head sort of like takes from it. So, man, it's remarkable how well like all the special effects and every and all the explosions and just that these kind of effects. They, in a movie that is the budget of five to seven million, you and I have seen movies that have worse special effects for on a higher budget. It's remarkable say, how good they are. Prince of Darkness, uh, you know, when they when they stick the the four, the chopsticks in 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 the guy's eye, or you know, uh, the 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 liquid going in the mouth, that didn't look as good as this spike going in the head. Mm-hmm. And that had a bigger budget. Yep. Yeah. Better and bigger director. Better director. Yeah. I mean, dude, I don't know, man. This, I mean, this guy's no John Carpenter, but he's he's doing some some good fucking work. That's for Look, sure. If you told me, if you told me, if you said Action Jackson, Stone Cold, and I Come in Peace, I'd say three fun action movies I would watch at the drop of a hat. And then the person would say, "Well, you know, they're all directed by the same guy." I'd go, "Get the fuck out of my house! I'm calling the police. <laughs> You're you crazy. are a liar." <laughs> Uh, cut to oh man, this is one of my favorite characters in the entire fucking movie. Me too. Cut to a very neurotic and caffeinated scientist at a lab. Uh, my, my first note is hyphen. I love this guy. So he is so jittery, and he like right away he kind of just turns away from them and just screams. And I'm like, oh my god, what? <laughs> even Brian Ben or even Smith is like, what's happening right now? It's but great. I love it. He's so, so fucking jacked up on caffeine. It's fucking awesome. And pills um, too. Let's and be and pills too. But like he's, you can tell he like works in a university or something. Like it's not like a. It's not like a basement scientist, like like a Breaking Bad scenario. It, he's clearly works is a real scientist working at a at a university, but he's also probably kind of under the radar on some of the projects that he's working on at the university, and those being clearly like LSD stuff. Like, and, and his name is Bruce. Like, so Bruce the scientist kind of freaks out when Dolph when when Kane tells him that this is. He's like, "Who is this guy?" He's like, "Oh, he's an honest to goodness FBI agent." And I love how sci- I love you know, Bruce Doctor Bruce just like freaks out starts putting all of his pills in uh you know in in the drawer and he does this weird like yoga thing and he's like 
he's like talking about how FBI agents are just like these uh, African tribes that all that speak the exact opposite or something. It, it's funny. It's zany. Like he's so fucking just jittery. It's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, and I love how I love how Smith, you know, Brian Bimbin's character is like, I assure you, I don't care. I'm not here for the drugs. I really don't care. <laughs> Trust me, really. But uh, and of course, the guy doesn't, you know, uh, believe him. But um Bruce shows him. Um, so basically, so uh, Kane's like, you know, where's the disc? Bruce pulls it out, and it is sort of it's in between three magnets, and it's hovering there. And he says that it is it, it's the disc itself is a magnet. It can be used and changed to to kind of hone in on any frequency um, that you want, right? And Brian Benben mentions that, you know, the human body has, has a slight frequency from the charge. You can just tune it to that, you know? And basically, that's how it flies around being attracted to the bio frequency of the human body, you know? Very and cool. I like how he says, like, he's like, this thing almost fucking cut my head off, you know, when I was trying to get it into um, this containment device that he he creates you know um uh kane and bruce convince smith that the disc should be left with with bruce you know for more analysis i like how even bruce was like you know uh uh, smith's like i'm gonna take this now and he's like you can't take this he's like it almost killed me and i know what i'm doing you don't know what you're doing this thing's gonna kill you i like that i thought that was fucking cool yeah yeah it's a great scene and also shows like okay ben ben He's he's a jerk, but he's not. He, he's like a trusted jerk, so you think? Maybe, yeah, ex- exactly. Yep, yep, exactly. But it's it's played well. Yep, it's played it well. Yep, you're sure it hell is. Um, cut back to the coroner's office, and Kane and Smith are examining the the bodies of the victims, basically, because they came in, and Diane tells them that the cause of death was a massive heroin overdose, and the first, the, the person that she's using as an example is the bounty hunter guy, um, the guy who owned the, the bailed bondsman, and she's like, he's, you know, it was a massive uh, heroin overdose, but he's not a user and she shows him the arm. So like it clearly it wasn't from that. And she shows him the heart. It was injected, you know, through the heart. Kane asks about the bullet hole in the forehead by Diane says that isn't a bullet hole. Although she doesn't know what it is yet. Uh, she's like, we're going to, let's find out. And she pulls up the bone saw. And I like this too. Smith's like, uh, I gotta go make a phone call. Cause clearly he's a little bit freaked out by the blood. And I like, I like it because it doesn't, it's not a thing that comes back later, but it's a little character moment that we get now. And that Smith doesn't particularly, you know, he might be a little, uh, got a little weak stomach maybe, you know? I also feel like he's covering up for what he's, that he is going to oh. actually make a phone call. Oh, dude, you're right. I didn't even fucking think about that. That's what he's doing the whole time. Cause uh. he's going to reveal the, he's going to reveal what the coroner just told him. Yeah, you're right, because he go he always goes out and makes phone calls to yep. Switzer. And, of course, guys and gals, this is 1990, so there's no cell phones. He has yep. to go make a, a – a, a, dude, I watched it twice in the past two days, and I didn't even pick up on that. Thank you for that. You're 100% correct. We will find out later. I do think he is squeamish. I do think he probably is squeamish, but he probably just took that opportunity to go do what you think he's going to do, and I think you're correct. That's three for Diane because the the, the – She's like, you want to, you want to watch or whatever. She pulls up the bone saw. Where's the bone saw? Bone saw doesn't move, but the sound effect. It, the sound effect is on and it, it doesn't move. And I, no. the first time I saw that, didn't really notice it. Second time I'm watching, I'm like, 
like, and I'm taking notes, and I'm like, is that bone saw not moving? And I was like, nah, I'm just gonna, I'll move on from this. I rewound it. <laughs> I rewound it twice just to make sure, because I'm like, I don't want to, I don't want to shit on this scene unless it's. Tri-. I'm like, come on. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't you move. Know? I saw it too, buddy. I saw it too. <laughs> Probably they're like, look, Dolph kicked a guy in the head. We're not gonna take any chances. <laughs> we're not. We're, you know what? Fuck it, guys. The sound effect will work just fine. No one's going to pay attention. No one will watch this movie in 20 years. Oh, yeah? <laughs> no one's going to spend three hours breaking it down and talking <laughs> yeah. about it. That'll, that'll never happen in a million fucking years. <laughs> but, yeah, it's funny because even in my notes, I say Smith leaves the autopsy room to go make a phone call. But I didn't even put it together that this is when he was giving up where the disc is. Uh, or we'll find out later. Kane sort of three. meets. That's <laughs> Kane meets up with Smith in the hallway, and another co- a cop comes up uh, behind Kane, kind of gives him an envelope that was delivered, and he opens it up, and it's a picture of Victor Manning in Rio with two topless ladies, and it says, uh, having a great time in Rio, wish you were dead. I love yeah, I that. love that. I love that so much. <laughs> it says, P.S., I told Warren to look you up. And uh, one of the few gripes that I have with this is that we don't, Again, my main gripe is Dolph Lundgren, but that's we've harped on one gripe, and it's really only one gripe. But my only kind of other big gripe is we get no finishing conclusion to the Victor Manning sort of thing. Yeah, because he's often he's often Rio. Rio, yeah, and doing his thing. And yeah, this is where Dolph again, like the the it's either this scene or right after when he delivers a line, and and, and you're supposed to think like, oh, he's so cool, like oh yeah, you know, no. Yeah. Like, even his car. Like, his car is, like, it's supposed to be a cool car. It's kind of just like a... It's not that cool of a car. Can I ask you something? Dolph Lundgren's a nerd, man. And maybe we're witnessing what happens when you put a nerd brain into a beautiful, gorgeous, like, leading man specimen. But at his core, he's a giant fucking nerd. Maybe... (laughs) Maybe that's why he's not like, you know, it's hard for me to buy him as a tough guy. I, I don't know. I Maybe. I mean, yeah. Is, maybe I'm sensing movie... his nerddom. <laughs> yeah. It's that movie Hunk. Did you ever see that movie Hunk? Which, uh, which one was where, that? Where this, this, this nerd guy makes a deal with the devil and gets turned into a hunk. In is, the, this, in the... is this with Kurt Russell? No, it's in the 80s. Okay. Uh, and in the poster, it was the license plate says Hunk. I used oh. to have the license plate. H-U-N-K. I got it as a promo from a video store. <laughs> of course I did. I love how you spelled it as if we didn't know how to spell Hunk. <laughs> well, yeah, for those I was like, idiots that listen to this show. <laughs> I was like, is, is there something weird about the spelling? You're like, no, H-U-N-K. I'm like, well, yeah. It's for just all hunk. you morons out there that listen to us, not all the smart people like Robert Ortiz, but all you morons, you know who you are, H-U-N-K. H-U-N-K. Oh, God, Zach. I'm on fire. You are, buddy. You I haven't are even had fire. any tequila tonight. Oh. I just well. had wine. Wine. You want did you, some wine? Did you down no. it? Did you down it like Ben Yeah, ben I down ben? it like Ben Ben's. <laughs> bun Buns. Okay. All right, so in the, we cut to the car. In the car, Smith asks uh, who Warren is, and we find out he's Victor's partner and the head of the White Boys, a bunch of yuppie criminals. <laughs> white Boys. The White Boys. They drive to <laughs> Warren's office uh, to go talk with him. On the way, they're chased by two White Boys in a, con- in a Corvette convertible. They easily lose them. Uh, honestly, this, this little car chase I thought was 
unnecessary at like completely. And this felt like one of those things where he probably just added into the story because it really didn't do anything. Like they didn't even dispatch the two white boys. They just kind of like lost them. Yeah. It was weak. I, 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 yeah, it should, I felt like, yeah, just felt like an add on. And with, with a movie that has such amazing action in it, I don't need an added on scene that is like subpar action wise, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's probably the weakest action scene in the entire film. So fell flat because the the car chase later that happens is fantastic. It's fantastic. And that one was one they added on. So yeah, exactly. Um, They get to Warren's office building. And so basically Kane is going to slip through the front door by setting off all the car alarms of the white boy's cars. Now, you know it's the white boy's cars in front of this building because it's like a Lamborghini, a Porsche. It's all massive high-end like stuff, right? And so, yeah. and I like it because he just kind of walks up to each one and sort of like presses down on the hood. He kind of leans on it. Yeah, <laughs> leans th- on this him. scene, I have like a love-hate, more love than less hate than the, in this scene because I'm, I'm like toying with, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, torn whether i i really want to love dolphin this role or not at this point but then i really like the scene where he's just kind of leaning on each car setting the car car alarms off and what is it what does he say he's like now i don't care or something like that oh yeah because yeah bim bim of course um smith is always like we got to follow procedure in this and stuff like that and you need to get a warrant and he was like and i and i, I did like because Dolph was like no i don't because i don't care and he's yeah. like because at this point he's kind of like he's doing his own thing you know yeah and uh, I will say that the the guy, there's a guy working on a, like, uh, hanging something on a pole behind the scene. And you can tell that it's probably not an actor. It's probably just someone working there. And he doesn't turn around when any of the car alarms go off, which means they probably weren't activated to begin with. You yeah. know, so that was all post-production Post, sound work yeah. probably, you know. Um, but uh, anyways, so. That's funny. That, that causes a commotion for the, the it's kind of, I guess those are the cars of the. Um, the goons, the white boy goons in the lobby, essentially. White boy goons. Yep. White boy goons. They go run out there to check on their cars, and then he kind of slips in. Uh, Kane makes his way up to Warren's office on, like, whatever floor it is. And as he's walking into to sort of the office area, he gets in a fight with a couple of thugs. Uh, the one thug that apparently he knocks to the ground and there's kind of like a close-up shot of the guy's face, that was Dolph Lundgren's sensei in real life. That was really his full-on sensei. That was his, his karate, more so than a karate instructor. You know what it is says, it, is the n- difference is. is. is Did he mention his name? Because is it Jeff Wincott? I, I, he didn't mention his name, um, and I don't know who Jeff Wincott is. Is he Jeff he Wincott's was, like a 90s uh, martial art action star. Who started soon after this? Like okay. he did a few things in the '80s, but it was really in the, the '90s when he took off in like hmm. Martial Law Part Two and a lot of straight to video stuff. Great, I love uh, Michael Wincott, uh, uh, Jeff Wincott. I thought it was him because he looks just like that guy, but I I don't know. That's cool I, that it was his sensei though, yeah. Because they did a close up on him, and I'm like, wait, that guy looks really familiar to me. But it, but it, yeah, it's it's cool that they gave him that little bit of something there, and I think yeah, they, I also think this little fight scene was something that they added uh, really quickly to kind of just give a little something there. I love how all the added scenes are the best scenes in the movie, <laughs> right? What's up with that? <laughs> Meanwhile, my island and Doctor Moreau sucks. <laughs> what? what? 
why are we going to Island of Dr. Moreau? I don't know, because I'm like, they added so much shit to that movie <laughs> to beef it up. Oh, God. Guys, if, if you've never seen uh, uh, Lost Soul, the doomed journey of Richard Stanley's Island of Dr. Moreau documentary, owe it to yourself to see it, because it's fucking amazing. Well, dude, um, I remember being at Fangoria, and John Frankenheimer was there talking about Island of Dr. Moreau, and he's like, you know, I came in on a rough set, and I added so much great stuff. You guys are going to love this movie. No. Anyways. No, no. Give give us Richard Stanley back, please. Liar. Thank you. Kane then enters the boardroom where Warren is having a meeting with all of his, I, I guess it's his top lieutenants probably. Yeah. But they're, they're all dudes in suits. They're all yuppies. Every single one of them are yuppies. Uh, Kane tells them all to put the, their guns on the table, and every single one of them is armed. I, I like that. Uh, then Kane, like, tell, Kane tells all of them to stand up, but then him and Warren are sitting down across from each other. I guess so they can't reach for their guns, right? I guess he, that, that's why. It's a really awkward scene because there's a line. Uh, Dolph Kane utters a line in this scene that has nothing to do with the conversation they're having. Is is, is that when Warren's like, "Why am I even talking to this guy?" Yeah, because because uh, Kane says something like, "Drug war? What the fuck are you talking about? Drug war?" Well, and like, wait, there, there wasn't even nothing. Like- to- I, I, there wasn't even like I, I, there wasn't even like a drug war happening. I, I didn't no. get, and I, I'm I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't actually write it, but I noticed it. I was like, what is this conversation about a drug war? I don't see a drug war happening. What is going on here? It, it's a really weird scene because the guy who plays Warren is a really great character actor, and 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 again, acting really well. And and then I don't know if it was the editing or what, but. Dolph utters this line that's totally out of context, but just shows him acting really dramatic. And I'm sure that's why they did it. Makes no sense whatsoever. It's just a really weird. I wrote it down like, wait, what does that have to do with anything? Well, and the the interesting thing is, you know, with this whole like drug war thing, the IMDb description of this movie is a renegade cop is forced to work is forced to work with an FBI agent in order to bring down a group of drug dealers with sinister plans. A, it's an alien. B, one's a cop, the other one's a drug dealer, so there should be no plural. Drug dealer. What the fuck is this this description? This is insanity. So, yeah, there's, I feel like that, uh, yeah, they probably just didn't know, like, how to market this shit. But, um, yeah. That scene is just so weird. It's just an odd scene. This scene is very weird. You're right, but the fact that like the guy who plays Warren, you love him. He he's fucking doing the best so he can with the shitty dialogue that he has and like the shitty story that he has, but he's fucking nailing every every line Agreed. even though he probably doesn't even know what is this pertaining to the story? It doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to say them and I'm going to say those lines well. I thought I was making a movie about Dark Angels. What? Right? Isn't isn't this an angel movie? Where's where's <laughs> Nicolas Cage? I'm confused. <laughs> City of Angels. Uh, hated uh, that movie. Anyways, um, I love them. So, uh, so was it a Goo Goo Doll song in that? I don't know, buddy. Yeah, I don't know. That movie in this with. moment, the feeling of alive. That movie can go song? fuck itself. <laughs> I I think the kind of the thing you get a walk away from with the scene is that Kane tells Warren that he didn't kill his men. Like they still think that the cops killed their men, you know, and took the drugs. Uh, Warren doesn't believe him, obviously. 
um, and says, you know, we can we can figure out a way of, you know, making you talk type of thing, or we can figure out a way of having leverage over you. And that's when, you know, uh, some white boys bring in a, a mildly roughed up uh, Smith, Brian, Ben, Ben. And uh, they then take Warren, takes Kane and Smith into his office and tells them that they are going to have to make a drop for him so Warren doesn't kind of lose any more men. Uh, Kane says no, but they threaten to basically kill Smith if he doesn't go along with it. Um, he's like No. Something... Right, I know, right? There, you have. He says something like, you're going to have a bad reputation of losing partners. So... The two white boy goons, one of which is Mr. Kenny, drive Kane and Smith to a like a luggage store sort of thing that yeah. is owned by Al Leong. Uh, Smith stays outside with the white boys while Kane goes in with the briefcase of heroin. Uh, Al pulls <laughs> kind of at the drop. Al pulls a gun on Kane and uh, and basically takes the heroin out the back alley, leaves Kane with with nothing, forces Kane to sort of follow after him pursues after him uh, i love and, it i love it though because uh al leong has a smirk on his face yeah like he's just gotten away with something so great it's so it's awesome and the cool thing is like he has i mean this is one of the smallest amount of times i've ever seen him in a movie but he actually gets to fucking talk like this is yeah. the most dialogue i've ever seen but the least screen time i've ever seen with al leong so it's like i'm like ah, but we love him i mean i love him every time i fucking see him and well, to me i'll say he's always fucking endo from lethal weapon oh dude i i, I love the guy he his voice is not as menacing as how he looks. And right. I think that's probably why because he's got a little bit of a like a little hey guys. like a wise hey guy guys. voice. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, dude, he's so great. And it, it, like it's a it's a two minute scene, but again, he's acts the hell out of it. And he acts the hell out of his death too because Agreed. when when Kane kind of goes into the back alley to follow him, he's like looking around and he walks sort of past an you know something's sticking out and so the camera's following him he doesn't see Aliong sort of on the other side and and Aliong's looking at him and so you think he's gonna like probably hit him in the back of the head but Aliong just falls forward with his eyes still looking to the you know screen right his left and I love that it was great it was, he, yeah. he, he didn't blink he didn't do nothing he just stood there and then just fell forward it was it's awesome it's awesome little thing so Kane is then jumped by the bad alien and sort of knocked down. Uh, the alien pulls his gun, but quickly spins around and shoots at the other alien that was sort of kind of coming up right behind him. In doing so, the bullets, of course, fly down the alley and blow up the car that's out in the street, which is like, so you got to figure, you know, uh, Smith and the two white boys are like, you know, they're at the front of the building, but they're still on the same street. So they're like a little bit further so they can see that car explode, you know, yeah. and Smith takes this moment to sort of <laughs> beat the shit out of the white boys. And I like it. I like that they gave Brian Ben Ben a little bit of action that, you know, he, he kicked that one guy, the, the Capburger guy in the nuts. You know, it was a That's, fun yeah. little action scene from Brian Ben Ben and he sold it, too. Yeah, I wrote, nice job, Ben Ben. Yeah, yeah, he, he did great, you know. Uh, this allows Smith to get the other hand, uh, get the upper hand on the white boys, takes care of them. Matthias runs past Kane and sort of goes down the other side of the alley with uh, the other the other alien. <laughs> what, did, what did I say? Um, Kevin Neelanoid. Neelak. Neelak, Kevin. there you go. Kevin Neelak sort of chasing after him. But he, like, sort of looks at Kane, you know, for a second. Kane looks at him. And this is when Kane's sort of piecing it together that, that they're not, both bad guys you know and yeah, i wrote I, down uh 
yeah, 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 yeah. He figures out, or he's piecing it together. Yeah, I mean, he he, he jumps to that conclusion real hard, but you know, later or soon, but, but at the same time, he's correct though. I guess, you know what? I take it back. It's, it's, it is good writing because he trusts his gut anyways. But I do like, cause Brian Binbin comes up and he's like, what's going on? What happened? And then you know, he picks, he helps Kane to his feet. They, they walk by Al Young's body. He's like, who's this guy? It's just, it's great. Cause he's <laughs> yeah, like, what's yeah, going on? What's happening? Who's that? <laughs> it's, it's his energy is always, it's at a 10, but it's never annoying. You know, some people can be at a 10, but they're annoying. Ben yeah. Ben is never annoying. No, I agree. We see the we see the Matthias Hughes alien go back to his hiding spot in an abandoned building with the briefcase of heroin. Just a real quick shot. Then we cut back to Kane and Smith at the hospital. Uh, there's a funny scene where, where Smith wants to use the phone, but there's like this nurse that's like on the phone. And, that's and funny. he holds up his FBI badge and he's like, I need to use the phone. I love she just FBI. rolls her eyes at him and just like, she's like, fuck you and turns her away from him. But then he hangs up on her. Like he makes her hang up. So she's like, okay, so she gets off the phone, but then he has a dollar. And he's like, can you break a dollar? Yeah. Like, this is, it's genius. I mean, it's just fucking genius, bro. Yeah. I love that. I love that little shit. But I just, I love everything Brian Ben Ben does in this movie. Kane talks to Diane about what she found. She tells him that the heroin overdose rushes the victim's brain with endorphins, which then the killer extracts as a drug. But she's like, but you know, th- this is like a theory because we don't have the technology to do that yet. But it's correct. Like what she explains is correct. They just have to add that little bit of line at the end. Cut to the killer kind of taking stock of his new vials of drugs. So as she's talking about what it is, now we we get the proof that he is creating drugs from this this endorphin stuff, uh, the stuff in your brain. Kane leaves Diane's office and grabs Smith off the phone. He tells Smith that he's thinking he thinks that the ki- uh, the killer is an alien and the other one is on their side. Of course, Smith doesn't believe him and says, you know, he has no proof of this. Kane says he has the disc. Cut to Kane and Smith go to see Bruce the scientist, but we find him there sort of nursing his wounds in, uh, like, in the dark, you know, and everything. And he's like, hey, who beat you up and, and took the disc? And, and, you know, Bruce is like, I don't know. Kind of looks like that guy over there, uh, you know, pointing to Brian Benben, implying that it's like it's his people or it just it looked like an FBI guy. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Corey here. I just want to let you know that we'll be right back after these short messages. October 31st, 1981. It's the night of the party at Jerry's Arcade. It's the night all the kids have been waiting for. It's the night they have been waiting for. There's a new game at the arcade. It's killer. Polybius. From David Irons, the writer of Nightwaves, the real terror begins. Polybius. Available now from Severed Press. And now, back to the show. Cut to the uh, the alien drug dealer. He's walking up now to a convenience store. Inside the convenience store is the best collection of characters this movie can possibly offer, especially the security guard guy. 
Oh, I, I thought you were going to tell me the the kind of semi homeless dude. Uh, he He's was great, great too. too but, They're all but great. Yeah, the security guard guy. His face is so expressive. <laughs> I mean, guys, yeah. this scene. This scene is. This movie's worth it for just this scene, just to see these actors right here. But the the guy you were mentioning to about the the homeless guy. He's talking about how you know he saw some crazy guy outside and everything. You know, and no, one, you know, the the store clerk doesn't believe him. The security guard doesn't believe him. You know, but then. Matthias Hughes comes walking into the front of the store. Uh, the lights go out. You know, we never see him cut the power, but sometimes the power goes out on buildings that he enters, and then sometimes it doesn't. So I kind of never really tracked it because it didn't really sort of make sense. Because like, if it's if it's if he's doing it, then why wouldn't the power go out in the the mechanics place? Why wouldn't the power go out in the garage, you know, where he attacked that one guy? But yet it goes out here, and you're like, okay, maybe he cut the power, but not really because right when the power goes out, he's walking up to the front door. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna tack it up with not the best writing. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, that, I feel like th- this is one of the few times where, like, this is bad filmmaking. Like, they should just yeah. drop the power going out. Just just yeah. drop that and may not even made that a thing. But it's cool because he fucking, right when he gets in there, he just fucking shoots his fucking blade thing, you know, <laughs> and he takes out the uh, the clerk. The homeless guy's like, God damn, what you doing? And then, you know, knocks him right out the window. That's awesome. And then he throws the security guard guy down to the ground. He's about to give him the business. But our boy, Kevin Nelak, shows up to save the day. Mr. Subliminal gets in there and <laughs> does a subliminal tub. thing. Hot tub. Hot tub. Hot tub. Hot tub. Two, <laughs> chicks. Two chicks. Hot tub. Uh, there's a shootout ensues, but unfortunately, Kevin Nelak is, is wounded in, in the exchange. Back at the precinct. Kane is kind of telling the captain what he thinks. And I love how Smith immediately is like, I don't believe him at all. Like immediately throws Kane yeah. under the bus. I love it. <laughs> and, but in the captain's like, and uh, you know, again, I also like this too. Cause both Ben, Ben and the captain are like, okay, we don't believe you. We sort of believe you. Cause you know, whatever, but like proof, bro, proof, give us proof. We can't you just have none. Yeah. You got none, man. So sure. Yeah, that's that's the problem. Um, as the captain is sort of chewing into Kane, uh, he gets a call about the incident downtown at the market. And he said this time he's like, your boy stri- struck again. This time there's a witness. You know, that's a big deal. So as they're leaving, Kane uh, tells Smith that's two for not backing him up in, in there. And yet that's rightful. That That is a that's a fuck you right there. You know, that's two. That's two. And this is again, this line fucking just it falls flat. Yeah. It really does. And Ben, but you know what? Ben Ben picks picks the flat noodle off the floor and, and delivers a good line on his own. He's like, how how many do I get? You know? Dolph, Dolph's coup de gras. Yeah. Ben Ben handles it well. And Dolph's coup de gras is coming up pretty soon with Diane, in my opinion. Like <laughs> the weak spot, the weakest spot. The I think, I think one of the weakest spots is when you, when when Dolph gets to three. Nothing really fucking happens. But yeah, all right. no, I know, right? Yeah, at the crime scene downtown, the alien cop is kind of watching from the alley. Uh, the FBI have the whole place blocked off, and even like Diane can't get in. And then there's this another a great little bit of dialogue between Diane and some FBI goon, where yeah. like like you never like here's what's different. Here's what's what I find interesting. First off. You, why why waste time with a conversation like this? Uh, you know, aside from the fact that it's awesome, but then you actually give this FBI goon that she's talking to 
like actual screen time. Like, like it's not just a two shot. Like they actually give him like yeah. solo shots. And guess what? This nobody fucking actor does a fantastic job with the minute and a half role that he has. Like, I love that Diane calls him like a crow magnum or something. And he's like, you don't have to get personal about this. Yeah, you know, I love that. it's, I love it's that. really good. Like again, Dolph Lundgren is kind of a wet noodle, but then every single actor that has like two minute scenes are fantastic. What is up with that? And and Diane's good too. She's a good actress. She's fine. Diane's absolutely fine in this movie. I have no problems with Diane other than she just does not pair up well with Dolph Lundgren. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) Diane's like, she's fine, but she's like the female version of the wet noodle. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Smith kind of is like, you know, I'll take care of this. Smith flashes his badge, but that didn't work either. And I like how the guy's like, look, you guys can put your wallets away. I'm not letting you in here. Yeah, you know? I love that. You guys can put your wallets away. <laughs> it's just like you should, no other action movie would give that character this many lines or this much screen time. That's agreed. what's cool. That's what's yep. fucking cool about it. The captain, uh, so yeah, that splash flashes badge. Uh, the captain talks to Kane because the captain is there talking to Spitzer. Kind of captain kind of comes over and tells Kane the case is closed. We're done here, right? Uh, there, there is no witness, um, and uh, you need to go on vacation, really. So it's it's like it's all getting shut down, you know. Kane's, you know, kind of all right, fine, fuck you, whatever. Kane takes Diane to the side, tells her, like, just quit your job. Let's get the fuck out of here, you know? First, he's let's like, get let's, out go of here. let's get out of here. Let's do this. <laughs> First Come on, like, let's just go. Let's go on vacation. Then he says, just quit your job. Really? Really, dude? <laughs> oh my God. And, and she, she does. does it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Jesus. But it, the, the exchange is like, he just got taken off a case that he's passionate about because his his partner was killed right and he wants to solve it he's he's in it deep and he gets taken off the case and what does he do instead of like going fuck you i'm not leaving this case and getting in his car and driving off, he goes over to his girlfriend he's like hey you know let's get let's just get out of here come on quit your job let's just go like it, it's such a shift that's what i that's what it was for me it was like such a shift in attitude with no explanation as to why, you know, like he's like suddenly just doesn't care about this case that he was caring passionately about because you know? his partner got killed. There's there, nothing yes. should have stopped him. So yeah, no. I'm, I'm with you. That's bad writing because if he didn't bump into a wounded Kevin Nelak in the back seat, he would have just fucking bounced. Right. Like that would have been it. Yeah. And also too, cause Ben Bon Bon goes with him and, and I'm like, I get it that he's his ride, but he just got taken off the case. He doesn't like this guy. He doesn't like. Right, so uh, yeah. So let's, you just ditched him. Yeah. Let, let's. All right. So so basically, uh, you know, Diane goes her way. You know, she's all excited, going to go her way and like go pack and everything. And you know, Kane's going to leave. Smith sort of like runs up to him and oh, he's like, "Sorry." And, and didn't he promise her? He promised her. You're too. right. You're right. I was actually. I meant to say that. Then I got yes. So that is the one thing he did promise her. So good call. I was going to mention it, then I forgot it. So good call. You brought that back around. I liked how Smith was like, "Hey, are we not friends anymore?" You know, like yeah. Smith. Smith's so likable, man. <laughs> Fucking Ben Ben. You know, but um, you know, Kane's like, 
Uh, Smith catches up to Kane, and he's walking to his car. Kane asks, you know, what Switzer told Smith. Smith says he knows what he needs to know. And then Kane says, this is three, you know, and grabs him and slams him up against the fucking, you know, car. And I was like, really? That That's three? And he basically says, <laughs> yeah. you know, Kane says, you know, you don't care. That's your problem. You know, that's what's different about us. He's like, you just want to please. And that's the difference. And Smith's like, no, the difference is I respect my superiors. You know, he's like, I'm a team player. And I like how I do like this line. This is great writing. Smith goes, I'm a team player. And Kane says, your team sucks. I love that. that. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) And he delivered that line. Great too. Perfectly. Perfect. (laughs) That is cut. Take print that's that's it we got the we got the take on that one (laughs) put that one on your reel oh man smith and kane uh kind of get into kane's car and i love how smith is keeps talking but like the the aliens in the back and you know uh uh uh, kane's like nudging him type of thing and i love how smith like turns around he's like he's like ready to get the fuck out of the car and like and i wrote it down i said it was his eric roberts moment because he was like ha he's like ah I loved it. It was great. But Charlie. Yeah, and, and the alien, he's got a huge, his his stomach is fucked up and his blood is white. So he's like, he's it's like the stuff. It's yeah. It's the the, stuff. Oh, it's definitely the stuff. He is made up of the stuff. The stuff. Yep. Actually can't get enough. Whoa, of the stuff. whoa, 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 buddy boy. What if this is a connected universe and these are essentially the aliens that the stuff basically, you know, comes from sort of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. I'll go with that. I'll go with that. <laughs> all right so smith freaks out and the alien says uh he must be stopped so they kind of uh you know uh, this is when dolph's like he's you know he's one of us he's he's a cop or something the alien's a cop uh so they kind of drive away from the crime scene they kind of you know drive a l- couple blocks away and sort of park on the side of the road uh so they can talk to the alien the alien says he's an officer of the law the other alien wants the endorphins as a drug, and he will return with more of his kind. It will be a bloodbath. Um, the cop says that he's in a that that the bad you know Matthias Hughes is in a storage place by a by a waterway, and then Kane's like looks over Ben Ben. He's like the Fletcher Building. It's like of course, of course, he knows exactly where that is. I, I do like that. I do like that because you know he's a yeah he's, he's a cop. He knows his city. Cop. Yeah, yeah, he knows his fucking city. The space alien then asks. You know, Kane to promise that he will stop the bad guy. Kane promises. And with that, the alien decides to die. <laughs> and by dying, he's going to explode. And as he's like sort of melting down, about to explode, they all jump out of the car. And I like that it was Smith that leaned back in there, like had the courage to lean back in there to grab the gun. It wasn't Kane. <laughs> Dolph Lundgren was out. He was like, I'm gone. I'm out of here. Right. And, and I'm going fucking, on vacation. With I'm girlfriend. going on vacation. I don't need this. And Smith was the one that did it, which is what I, I love it. And which is why he's the one that gets to earn to like have the gun, you know, in the third act of the movie, you know. Yep. But I like that. That was a fun little like he's not always sniveling. He's not always Burke from Aliens. Right. Like he's still like an fbi agent he's, he's still capable yeah. yeah so that was cool and the, and the effect of the bad guy exploiting was fucking great yeah, that was, was cool better than it had any right to be there's agreed none of these special effects are fucking bad not a single one on nope. a five million dollar movie wow 
Smith wants to take the gun to his boss, Switzer, of course, but Kane says he's a liar. You know, he basically says, you know, pretty soon he'll, he'll, you know, he'll feed you the line about having to break, uh, you know, break some eggs to make an omelet. You know, basically don't trust him. You know, he's a liar. Uh, as Kane tries to take the gun from Smith, Smith pulls like his actual piece on, on Kane and, and kind of like walks away, uh, leaving Kane there. Cut to Smith. It meets up with Switzer at like, like a like one of those inner not inner city but like one of those like parks with a fountain in the middle of a city you know just like one of those fountain park type of things yeah fountain um, park yeah fountain park yeah you yeah. know in <laughs> uh, uh you know Sw- switzer's proud of smith for doing that um he's like first the disc and now the gun so it's like so i even missed that on my first viewing but yeah so so smith was the one that told switzer that who where the disc was with bruce and everything uh so now the now the government you know has the disc and and the gun and they're going to be doing big things together uh switzer says that kane needs to be removed but he's like i'm not gonna ask you to do it smith you know you're, you're too close and even Smith's like, what? What do you mean removed? But kind of like goes past it, you know. Uh, but right now, Smith is sort of sitting down where Switzer is sort of standing over him, you know, because it's one of those things where like he's kind of realizing everything. So it's kind of weighing on him. So he sits down and Switzer says, uh, you know, it can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. And, you know, I think that's when Smith was like, oh, shit, you know. And he pulls out a fucking gun. Switzer pulls out a gun about to shoot Smith in the head. And boom, he gets shot. So Smith goes flying through the air and lands in the fountain dead by Kane. Kane saved Smith. Kane saves Smith and then comes over and says the line, Never trust nobody. Never trust nobody? Isn't it never trust anybody? So so Smith (laughs) the entire time is kind of like quoting switzer like how like he's like switzer the, the, this guy has like he's such a manual. great he's yeah. got his great he's a great man he's got this manual and throughout the entire movie he's like quoting like oh that's you know switzer page 20 like don't do this don't do that right yeah. and so now dolph Lundgren's like you know kane manual page one don't trust nobody and it's just like uh oh, just you should just have him say nothing just have him say nothing. <laughs> never trust nobody wait it reminds me of when <laughs> when uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall came into the NWO and WCW, and they're like, this is where the big boys play. Listen to the adjective. <laughs> um, why? <laughs> like... <laughs> Shut up, dude. Just <laughs> shut up. Just shut up, man. Didn't, shut didn't up. the big show have his own show at one point, too? I guess the big show's got his own thing on Netflix, like a sitcom. I think it got canceled. I think it got canceled. Yeah. Yeah. No shocker there. But yeah, like, no, just, yeah, he could have said Kane Manual, page one, chapter one. Switzer sucks. I don't know. I don't know. It's just like. It's, this dialogue sucked ass. Yeah, it did. Yeah. There was no salvaging it. Just, or he could have been like, he could have been like, you know, Switzer, or, uh, you know, Ben Bonbon could have been like, thank you so much, man. I'm so sorry, dude. And been like, look, you know, I don't know. I just like, it could have been a more gentle exchange. It, it could. Well, yeah, it could have been something more heartfelt than him yeah. saying something about fucking Kane manual one oh one. Yeah. I agree with you. It was probably one of my least favorite pieces of dialogue in the entire movie. Yeah. 
welcome to the better team or something. I don't know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Anything. Anything other than don't trust nobody. It's like, right. what? Are You're educated. Why are you saying that? Don't say that. Yeah. Or he could have said, I told you your team sucked. Yeah. It, seriously. Literally anything. Literally anything. Look, guys, we just figured that out in like 30 seconds. So. <laughs> uh, cut to uh, Kane and Smith go to the abandoned building that Kevin Nelak was telling them about. And uh, they find the briefcase of heroin kind of like sitting out in the middle, just out in the middle of the open, you know. And as they're like looking at it, <laughs> Matthias Hughes just pops up. Ah! <laughs> you know, <laughs> ah. <laughs> I love it. Surprise, and motherfucker. And he's got some great facial expressions, too. He's very expressive in his face. Yes. Uh, I love how there's like, you know, a fight scene with Kane and everything. A little bit of a fight. Uh, Smith is trying to get the gun to work, but he can't sort of like figure out how to cock it. It's got these buttons on it that he has to, to push, you know. Um, the alien shoots his disc and it kind of hits Smith in the arm, sending him flying. I love how anytime it hits somebody, they go flying through the air. I think that's a really cool effect. Yeah. Um, they kind of hide behind a wall, and Smith realizes sort of how to get the gun working. Although, I like how, like, Dolph Lundgren's like, oh, let me help you. So, like, they cut to a shot of, like, Smith fumbling with it, and then Dolph Lundgren's giant gorilla paws, like, on top of it. It's, like, it's funny because it's, like, two people being like, oh, let's figure this out together, you know? Yeah. Which never works because it only works if one person's doing it. Like, it just yeah. doesn't work when two people are trying to figure it out. It's very yeah. comical. It's very, like, Abbott and Costello, you know? Yeah, it was a funny moment. Oh, and I, in, in, in a way that I actually enjoyed, you know? It wasn't, like, yeah, a too. bad thing, you know? Um, so he finally gets it to work. And he puts it on, like, the, the first setting. That So you get the first setting here. And he's kind of turned... Uh, ben Ben sort of peeks around, shoots fucking Matthias Hughes right in the fucking chest, just sends him back, you know, because even at a one setting, you know, the gun is still fucking powerful, uh, but it doesn't kill him. The alien start, starts chasing them and shooting, uh, shooting back at them, blowing up everything around them. Again, another awesome use of explosions everywhere as they are two actors. You know, you see like it's weird because when when Brian Benben's character gets hit in the arm by the blade, they use a stuntman to do the spin around, fly around, past Dolph Lundgren thing. But then when they're running through all those explosions, that's Dolph Lundgren and Brian Benben. Like, they don't even use a stunt guy when they're running through the explosions. Now they're like, look, guys, this shot's just not going to work with a... With Freddy over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> With Freddy. Fuck, fucking Freddy. By the way, real quick, back to the um, the the market with, you know, the witness that, you know, where the, the cops shut it down, the FBI shut it down and everything. That one FBI agent that stops Dolph Lundgren from going in, the one with the mustache. Yeah. You remember that guy? Yeah. That guy was, like, so generic stunt guy. Like, what is up with, like, the fact that, like, if you're going to be a stunt guy, you have to have that, like, 80s bouffant hair with that fucking mustache. I th- That guy, I, I swear to God, that guy was in The Crow and in the <laughs> yes, gang scene. Yep. And I'm like, this guy's got Zubaz pants on with a mustache and bouffant hair. He doesn't look like a thug for Michael dude. Wincott's crew. It's, it's hilarious, dude. It's Come absolutely on. fucking hilarious. All right, so as the aliens chasing, as Matthias uses chasing them, shooting them, Smith sets his gun to the second setting and shoots the alien. Doesn't kill him, but it kind of buys them more time to escape, you know, with his drugs. Um, he, um, I said he dropped them, and now they have them. So they were, they picked up his drugs during the course of it. I guess that was a bad note. So, anyways, they picked up. The- well, no, because they knocked him down. He got shot down. He was he's kind of stunned. Okay. And then and then they get the the pack is like sitting there 
on the stump or something. So he has basically he has a fanny pack. <laughs> he has a little fanny pack <laughs> that has about five vials in there that are about the size of a roll of quarters. So yeah. that kind of tells you the size of the fanny pack. Um, so they had they now have his his drugs. I wrote down after this. I'm like they stunned him. I wrote, wait, they're they're late, they're leaving now. Yeah, like he was down on the ground, I would have run up and just shoot him in the face. Mm-hmm. Keep on yeah. shooting until his head explodes. Yeah, I mean, I know, dude. So many times in movies where the the hero gets the gun from somebody and knocks the person out, I'm like, shoot him, just shoot him, just, just shoot him right going. there, just, just kill going. him, and let's be done with this. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Even though, even though the movie was directed by a pedophile, uh, uh, Jeepers Creepers, you know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. it, which I liked until I realized it was Victor Salva as a pedophile. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a and, scene and that's, where they, that's confirmed by that. It's not us making conjecture. Yeah, no, that's, it's confirmed. That's on Look record. it up. Yeah. It's, he's a convicted pedophile, yeah. sex, def- sex offender. Anyways, um, there's a scene in that movie where they run over the thing, and then I think they run over it. A few more times. Yeah, because they're like, like fuck yeah. it. Yeah. 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 That, I like, that's yeah. great. I like that shit. Do that too shit. Bad, too bad we can't ever really talk about that movie ever again. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I saw it when I, I was like, eh, I liked it. Fine. I, I, yeah, it, it didn't offend me. I was like, I enjoyed it. But I'm with you. Once I found out that, um, you know, his past and everything, it's like, cool. I don't need to, I don't need to support this franchise. I didn't like it enough to support it anyways, but I was like, cool. No, I'm not going to support it. So I'm with you, dude. He. I don't understand how he's working, but okay. Well, especially too at the end, like it's all about he wants the boy. He I know. wants he wants the boy. Just like in the movie Powder, yeah. it's all about the boy, you know. Yeah. And then in part Jeepers Creepers Part Two, because I didn't find the shit out till Jeepers Creepers Part Two, and then the 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 football team takes their shirts off. He wants all the it's boys. Too hot and all the boys. It's like oh man. Yeah. Yep. You're not Fred Olin Ray, yo. <clears throat> Come on. Well, welcome to Hollywood, guys and gals. Yep. yep. Cut to, cut to Kane's apartment, uh, and they're kind of cleaning up, you know, doing that whole, like, let's recuperate before the third act, you know, before the climax sort of thing. Change uh, your clothes. Yeah, change your clothes, <laughs> come up with a plan, all that kind of stuff. And uh, This uh, is funny. This is funny. Yeah, and so, so yeah, I love how fucking... I love how Kane gives Smith Ben Ben a jacket, like a vars, like a Letterman jacket sort of thing that he had yeah. or something. It's like it's like a it's like a um like a baseball jacket or something. It was a varsity jacket, varsity yeah. jacket, you know. And he's like, oh, and I like how Brian Ben Ben's like, oh, it fits. And he's it like, looks yeah, pretty it good was, too. It looks pretty good, you know. He's like, yeah, it was mine when I was twelve. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's really funny. It's good. It's a it's a scene to have Dolph with his shirt off. Yeah. Talking about if we just talk about exploitation, you know, it's, <laughs> it's exploiting Dolph. And then Dolph puts a jacket on over his shirtless body. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, well, and it's funny sure? because like, you know, it's weird it's actually interesting that they actually don't do a lot of this in this movie. Whereas if it was an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, you expect it, right? You expect him to be shirtless. This is like yeah. This was the one time that they added that in there. Like, I was surprised that it took them this long to get Dolph Lundgren shirtless. That's what I should say. I'm surprised it took them this long. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was like, time to bust out his old VHS tape, Maximum Potential, and start working out. Get that Dolph bod. <laughs> getting, getting that Dolph bod, man. I mean, <laughs> he's a specimen, dude. He's He is a specimen. Um, and then uh, one bit of information. Smith like is talking about with the gun and everything. He's like... 
he just needs one clean shot with the gun. That's what he wants. He's like, I just need yeah. one clean shot and I'll take this guy out. Um, all of a sudden, Diane shows up with her bags packed. She's like, hey, guys, what's going on? I'm ready to oh, go. And I love, I mean, again, talk about falling flat. I felt like Dolph Lundgren was like, oh, who, who are you again? Like every time he sees her, it feels like the actor Dolph Lundgren has to be reminded that this is his character's love interest. Because, Zero chemistry, because, dude. Because she's so under his radar. He, she would never be on his radar. She's friend zone material absolutely but sorry the, the irony is she's, she's a very beautiful woman it's just she's just a, a a very average beautiful woman yeah it's just not my just not my cup of i don't drink tea so you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah i know what you're saying uh <laughs> of course they tell diane she has to go home and she's like what i quit my job you know <laughs> i'm like First off, I'm like, why'd you quit your job? You just go on vacation, stupid. Yeah. Um, so they kind of are leading her outside of the apartment when they are ambushed by our two favorite white boys, Mr. Kenny and the fucking cat burglar guy that you thought was another dude from another movie. But it only matters for Mr. Kenny. That's all I care about. Uh <laughs> Smith sets the gun to two and kind of shoots back at them and there blows their fucking car up. That was, that was fun. You know, uh, then all of a sudden, so they're hiding behind a car basically while they're sort of the, the white boys are in the street. Um, a beat cop, like a, you know, a, a patrol cop, uh, yeah. shows up and, you know, gets out of his car, tells them to put their guns down. I love how Mr. Kenny like looks at his gun and he looks at the cop and he's like, Fuck you. It just shoots back at him. I love that. It's great. It's great. Dude, the, Mr. Kenny's fucking awesome in this movie. They're both great. The the white boys are great. It's a yeah. nice little subplot. It uh, is. For sure. And and they're good. They're cool goons. They're 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 very they're fun goons. I I enjoy them. You know how movies have like more than one villain in them, you know, like mm-hmm. Batman Forever has yeah. the multiple bad guys. Wonder Woman 84. Yeah. <laughs> uh this this works better than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know what i will watch i would watch i come in peace twice back to back before watching wonder woman 84 again yeah i honestly don't need to see chris pine with highlights and gray hair you know because every guy in the 1940s germany had highlights and gray hair like <laughs> come on and it's a fucking flying a plane like 20 minutes of flying in a plane looking at fireworks in the sky and talking about how much we love flying like Come on. Sorry. Yeah. Folks. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you, buddy. Save this. We're saving this for check back in on wrap up after dark. And if you haven't subscribed <laughs> to our Patreon, consider doing it because this month's wrap up after dark, will be trashing wonder woman 84 <laughs> and celebrating Pixar's soul because Pixar's soul was really, really cute. And it's a really sweet film. Oh, that's nice. I'll never yeah. see it, but I'm glad, I'm glad you liked it. You won't until you have kids and then yeah. you'll want to watch it. No, no, yeah, but wonder exactly. woman 84, you'll never watch again. Never again. Absolutely. God never damn, again. Man. But I will say, I will say, Ooh, Kristen Wiig looked hot as hell. The, uh, beautiful. Both of them, yeah. both of them, uh, beautiful, but, and and then, but man, talk, the flip side was the dude who played uh, the Mandalorian yeah. guy. You pa- know, I'm like, yeah, Pedro Pascal was was very not utilized correctly in that movie. Pedro Pascal was Pedro Pasty. He used yeah. to get some facial hair back on that shit. I don't know. I don't know what was going on with Pedro Pascal's face in that movie because he looked bloated and he looked like he like he had a wig on with the blonde hair. So yeah, just everything that was happening there, I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is welcome to 
Welcome to 2020, guys. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, man. Uh, Matthias Hughes kind of shows up, and uh, he all of a sudden he just just he's there. You know, he's walking down the street, and he this, shoots yeah. and kills Mr. Kenny. No, it kills Mr. Kenny. No. It's good. That's good. You need, but I love it. He needed to die. He did. He, you knew he was going to die, and at least he died by the hands of, of the alien. Uh, yeah. Cool cool shot of him, like, also shooting the cop, and by doing so, like, kind of blows the, the door off the cop car, and then he finally kills the other white boy, the uh, cat burglar guy. And that was a good stunt, too. It was a very – all of them were very good stunts. Um, here's something that's interesting. So we are treated to a fun car chase through downtown Houston and through a mall. I and love this. During the course of the car chase, you know, the cop car that, that Matthias Hughes' character is driving has no car door. So, you know, it's not Matthias Hughes driving it. It is a 350-pound fat bastard. <laughs> wearing a blonde wig Oops. and a like a black trench coat to try to make him look like Matthias Hughes. But the dude is clearly like the and I'm sure he's a professional. He's a stunt car driver, but he's 300 fucking pounds. He fills up the entire front of that car. And the whole time I couldn't enjoy this, like this chase at all, because I every time I was like, that's just that's bad. That's bad right there. I know what you're saying. Uh, it, the The culmination at the the finale of the car chase was fantastic. Mm. When they start to drive through the tunnel, that's the that's my favorite part. Of me this me scene. too. So, car chase happens. It's fine. Goes through a mall. Yeah. Fine. Not uh-huh. as good. N- not as good as as Invasion USA or anything. But especially because they're only driving like thirty miles an hour yeah. through the mall. Yeah, it's 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 not great. But where it ends up is fantastic because. All of a sudden, some cop cars start pursuing, right? Uh, cop car pulls up next to the alien with, you know, Matthias Hughes. And I love how he fucking shoots the blade through the window, fucking cuts the, the cop's throat, and then the cop's car hits, you know, um, a pillar or something. That was exciting. And then Brian Benben, he finally, he, like, sets the, the gun to three. And he's like, all right, I'm going to take this guy out. And he leans out of the car, and the car's, you know, still chasing them. And he shoots the car, causing it to crash. And I love this because, you know, right away, obviously, Kane kind of, you know, stops the car. I love how Smith gets out of the car cheerfully. And right when he gets out of the car, the the, the cop car that Matthias Hughes was in is, is kind of exploding. But Matthias Hughes, the alien, he, he comes out of the explosion at full pace, running straight at at Ben Ben. And yeah, I great. love how Smith Ben Ben's like, Oh my God. <laughs> he just like basically like throws his arms up and gets back in the car. I was not expecting this at all because you're always expecting it to be like, okay, there's rubble. And then all of a sudden, maybe you'll see a car door get kicked out. No, the shot is as soon as Smith gets out of the car, all excited, Matthias Hughes is running. He's hitting the ground, running at full fucking speed as yeah. more cars are exploding behind him. And apparently uh, the director, you know, when they set the shot up and everything, he just told Matthias Hughes, he's like, just run and don't look back. Whatever you do, oh, Jesus whatever Christ. you do, don't stop, don't trip, and don't look back because cars are going to be exploding as you're running. And this is another wow. shot that is absolutely fucking amazing. Yeah, it's This beautiful. movie... You know, you got you got fucking Dolph Lundgren's wet noodle delivery on one hand, but you have some of the best 
fucking explosive action scenes that you've ever seen in a movie, truthfully. And you and I have seen a lot of fucking action movies. Now, I'm not saying this has the best blood packets. I'm not saying this is the best shootouts. This has some of the best explosive action you've ever seen. Agreed. Agreed. And and it also dawned on me too, first of all, when, when the car hits the, the center of the tunnel and just explodes. It's, it's so impactful. It's so intense. I awesome. love it. So and awesome. I just kind of put two and two together as to why we had that early car chase scene in the movie. Um, because it shows off Ben Ben's ability to shoot under pressure uh, people okay. yeah because he pulls out a yeah. cannon in that scene where he's like okay i'm ready you know and he shoots out the the wind the the rear view window of the of the white boys car that's chasing them that alone i think is the only reason why maybe or the the best reason in my opinion why they had that scene it, but uh, and i think you're right i think you're very very right about that but then i'm gonna just say to you his fucking hand cannon was awesome why did we never, never see it again? It again? Yeah. So again, you know, and so again, if you just remove that chase scene, I don't think you would have lost anything with his character. And I then agree. we wouldn't have had that fucking hand cannon to wonder where the hell that go. Because well, why do you need a, like he should have had a tiny gun. So that way when he gets this gun upgrade, it's awesome. But he fucking already has a hand cannon. Use the fucking hand cannon. Yeah, I agree. It's, it, it probably took a vacation for eight days. Yeah, probably. <laughs> we don't know where it went. It's, same, it's the same place where Dolph went for eight, bu- eight days. You're right. You're right. Well, you know where they're going? Some kind of steel mill factory. It's actually a, a concrete mill or something. Um, but, uh, of course, they... Uh, great Smith, set. Yeah, great great location. Uh, uh, Smith, uh, Kane, and Diane, um, you know, drive their car into this, you know, mill place, this steel factory. And I love how, like, just Matthias Hughes, the alien, is just running after them. I love that. He just He's just running. Fuck it. I'm not even going to get a car. I'm just going to run. Um, we are now in the last like 15 minutes of the movie the climax right here yeah i like this scene too as they're getting out of the car you see kane sort of rips one of the speakers out by his by his feet you know on the driver's side or whatever he just rips one of the speakers out and that'll come back in later by the way i didn't know speakers had mag anything magnetic in them i didn't oh yeah know. yeah you okay. didn't know that no around the rim of it okay yeah I, I used to work on cars all the time so uh I knew that. Okay. Well, and, no, and, and that's and, and they say it in the movie. They do say it. Like he does say that they have, you know, it's magnetic or what. I just, I never knew that. I yeah, never I don't that. know the science behind it, but yeah, they all and, do. And and that's why that's why the um the the disc blade is always sort of drawn to speakers because it's yes. like a, it's a it's a magnet sort of thing. Good good thing it's not a Bose stereo that uses ceramic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was a Bose shatter. thing. It would just explode yeah. and shatter. You know. Yeah. Um, so, uh, he also has a shotgun and Smith has the alien gun and, uh, Diane sort of with them. They, uh, Smith and Kane make their way deeper into the factory with, with Diane. Uh, great set, by the way, lit very awesomely. Lots of shadows everywhere. It's, it looks really well. It looks really well done considering how many factories we saw as a final climax in the 80s and the 90s i mean guys just a million collectively we've seen a million factories at this point you know and uh and this you know what this does the the cinematographer in this movie does a damn fine job this entire fucking movie i agree 
so they make their way deeper to the, the, the factory, and they kind of come to this, like, open area that has this office sort of overlooking it that's up, like, probably another story above it. So Kane tells Smith, here's your clean shot. Kane puts the drugs in the middle of the area sort of as bait. Uh, they go, they, all three of them, go upstairs to that office area. When the alien finds the case and it's empty, he starts yelling, you know. Uh, Smith goes to shoot his gun, but womp womp. It's empty. Dun, Click. Dun, dun. Uh, Click. <laughs> I like how he keeps trying, and then the alien looks up at them, you know? And I like how Kane's like, it's over, buddy. Just run, fool, run, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Mama, he called me fool. Um, I don't remember the exact quote from people under the stairs, something like that. But anyways, uh, the alien sees him kind of, I love it. He jumps up through the window. That's fucking awesome. Here's what's really Weird. Kane shoots him with a shotgun. Did you notice that fucking Dolph Lundgren with his giant rock biter hands cocks the shotgun overhanded? He doesn't hold the the whatever that is on the bottom that you do with a shotgun. Yeah. Like the where pump. You, you the pump. He he doesn't hold it from the bottom where the handle is. He holds it from the top and cocks it and like rounds the chamber that way because his fucking gorilla paws are so fucking large. And I think that like I was like I watched it twice and I'm like, no one's stopping him from but it looks so natural that he does it because he's yeah. so fucking big. But I've never in my life seen anybody cock a shotgun pump a shotgun overhanded like on the top of it he i mean he's a he's a he's a beast so yeah i mean you know it makes it look really cool too he does it actually looks really good but like you know that motherfucker can palm a basketball like you know that dude's (laughs) hands are fucking insane if he can do that i was like what the i've never seen that in my life oh man And, and again that's what like that's the things like I love everything about Dolph Lundgren until he opens his goddamn mouth is my problem. Especially at the end, too. I know. Come on. I mean, all of it. Just all of it, buddy. Uh, Kane shoots the alien with a shotgun, uh, but it doesn't kill him, you know, and uh, they sort of run as the alien is shooting behind them. Everything's exploding. It's It's a great shot of them running down this, like, catwalky thing with this giant explosion behind them as things are blowing up and a giant like fireballs coming right at him and apparently this was the dailies shot that he sent to the producer and they were just like the people who like the producer of this movie couldn't believe how much action was in it for five million dollars they were very happy with what he delivered and this shot right here of them all running this was also the shot that he told like brian ben was talking about like he had to run they told him to run slower he's like I don't know how to run slower. I just want to run for my life, you know? But uh, they, they, he's like, run slow so we can catch you all, you know? And but this shot, in the end, this shot looks fucking amazing because your three lead actors are running right at the camera as shit is exploding around them. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's so it's so well done. It's it's ridiculous. Like, you would never be able to do that this in, in this day and nope. age at all. They kind of like they're making their way, you know, like they're kind of walking through this. I don't know. They're kind of making their way through the factory. And Brian Benben's in the back and Diane's in the middle and and Dolph's in the front. And the alien kind of like jumps down in between them. He catches up to them, jumps down between them, sort of knocks, like punches Smith off this like little catwalk area. He lands on Dolph's car and then he grabs Diane and holds like the gun to her head and everything. And I will say that 
weirdly, this shot of him just jumping down onto this platform was a stuntman. I think the director said he goes, you know, like you're not going to see, we're not going to see you anyways. I just didn't, I don't think he wanted to chance him breaking his ankle or something, especially with like those big shoes. But this is weirdly the one shot that's actually not Matthias Hughes when he just quickly jumps down in between them. Well, when Ben Ben falls into Lundgren's car, that is, he caves in the roof of that car. That yeah. car is destroyed. So, yeah. and, and, and then he kind of just gets up with a scratch yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, oh, I'm sore, but that's about it. <laughs> well, he and, he and he is knocked out for for the climax at this yes. point. Um, but yeah, right. It, it's it's an awesome stunt because uh, he he go. I mean, he caves that that hood right in. And I, by the way, that's I'm always a sucker for when when bodies hit a car and the windows like blow out and everything. Yeah, me too. I always I always think that's pretty fucking cool. Okay, so he, uh, the aliens got you know Diane. He's got the gun to her head. Kane kind of threatens the alien by throwing down the vial, like one of the vials to break it, you know, but then kind of pulls it back up. So they're, he's, he's using the vials as sort of a shield. The, if the alien shoots him, he's going to destroy the, the drug. So yeah. Kane sort of lets uh, the alien lets Diane go. And now kind of like they have a standoff sort of Kane is holding the vials. He throws down the gun kind of like, you know, tell, like it, motioning type of thing. And then, you know, Matthias Hughes does a great job acting like an alien. He, he acts like an animal sort of. He like looks at the gun. Then he looks back at Kane. So then he drops his gun, you know, so he like he understands what, what we're doing. It's like, I get it. I know what we're doing, you know, and um Kane puts like his the vials down on near this like broken pipe and then quickly runs and then the alien shoots his disc, which was pretty cool, kind of like bounces through some pipes. And then Kane really quickly pu- pulls up his uh, speaker and the thing just goes into there. And I love how the alien kind of like has this weird look where he's like waiting to hear the, the, the I guess the disc stop doing its thing. So he thinks yeah. that, you know, Kane's dead. So he kind of like walks over to the to the vial. I mean, he's doing a lot of like really fun facial expressions. Even though he's like, his face is always sort of deadpan, he'll throw these like expressions through, you know, and he does a good job of it. Makes it feel very unearthly, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. He's fucking Matthias Hughes is awesome in this movie. He's an underrated big dude. Yeah, like yeah, he's he's one of the the better actor big dudes. Yeah. Um, as, as the alien goes for the vial, Kane hits him with a cheap shot in the back with a fucking pipe and, and then they start, you know, having a fight. He hits him, you know, in the arm kind of, I noticed it the second time, he hits him uh, in the, the disc, like destroys the disc launcher, you know. Oh, okay. In one of the points. And uh, at some point, the alien throws uh, um, Kane sort of away from him, you know, through the air and away from him. And then as Kane's on the ground, he shoots out his his heroin needer, needle thing. And then we get this fun little like 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 Dolph Lundgren's like wrestling with this needle thing. And honestly, it works well. You think on paper this would be stupid, but it actually works well. And this is when Dolph is awesome. He sells all of this shit. What he can't do with his verbal acting, he can do with his physical acting. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super effective. It's, and, it's an and a lot of fun. Scene. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then I, and I really fucking like this because the alien retracts the, the cord and it drags, you know, Kane with him, like kind of yep. like right up to his face. And then like Kane's like still holding the cord and Matthias Hughes is kind of, you can tell he's controlling it with his mind and it's, and I like how they don't explain it, but you can tell that's what he's doing and it's fun. And eventually Kane kind of gets the upper hand and jams it into his neck you know, kind of like, make, 
Matthias uses his neck, making the alien scream. And then I didn't understand why the alien would would rip the cord out of his out of his arm thing, right? Just because it got stabbed in your neck. But you know, okay, whatever. And <laughs> uh, you know, sure. And uh, but you know, as he's dealing with that, uh, fucking Kane. Does a nice spin old kick and kicks fucking uh, kicks the alien Matthias Hughes onto the broken pipe, a la Commando. Let yep. off some steam, Bennett. This movie has a lot of things that it steals from other movies, and we get this awesome fucking uh, thing where the alien's like, "I come in peace," you know. And I like how it only has sort of one thing to say because. That's all it bothered to learn. And this is when we get the great line that Dolph Lundgren says. And you go in pieces. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And he explodes, man. It's fucking, oh my God, it's fucking awesome. I love it. I fucking love it, man. Uh, And then, you know, they, they kind of, you know, Kane walks over to Diane and Brian Ben Ben and you know they're okay. You know, smack Smith on the back. So, oh my! You know, he's like, oh, I'm hurt, but you know they're all chummy and they're like, oh, where do you want to go on vacation? And then Kane's like, how about Rio? <laughs> and then it pauses, like you know, on the laughter, like an '80s sitcom. Well, it it then go back a little bit too because he he says uh, he goes, well, call me Smith. Goes, call me call me Arwood. My yeah. my my real name's Arwood, but my friends call me Larry. But my friends call me Larry, and then and then Kane goes, "Nice work, Smith." Yeah, yeah. and I just wrote, "Ha ha ha, fuck you!" Like you know, <laughs> I'm gonna do whatever I want. And yeah, and they ended on that note, and then the music starts like a rock song, like this cheesy ass. It, it, there's a great scene in Lethal Weapon when uh, the drug dealers are at the club and this rock band's playing, and like the manager of the club is listening to them play the song, and the, and, and they, and the manager's like, "Stop, stop, stop! You gonna play that shit tonight? I'm gonna fire your fucking asses!" You know, he's just like getting on him for playing. He's like, "That you guys sound like shit." That kind of song plays at the end, where it's the, like the line was like, "Touch me tonight," like this weird, bad late '80s, early '90s metal hair song. Yeah, with the three of them frozen on there, like looking all awkward. It's like a bad pause on your VCR, where you're just like, you know, and with the credits rolling. Yeah, no, setting up the potential of a sequel where they go to Rio to take out. Yeah, fucking Victor Manning. Yeah, like that, like that's like the conclusion or something. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's yeah, uh, not the. It's it's so weird because you know I come in peace and you go in pieces is such a fucking awesome line, and then have it end on such a a, a wet noodle uh, of this, you know, is just it it's a yeah. damn shame. They could have panned away with the cops rolling up, the ambulances rolling up, you know, and like them continuing to talk and be silly as the credits are rolling. But, but as you know, people are coming to check on them and could have had a much, but I guess the, with the budget constraints, it's understandable. That being said, I still love this movie. I don't like, I don't love it in the sense that, you know, if people said, Hey, what are you going to watch tonight? I'm watching. I come with, I come in peace, but I did really enjoy it. I enjoyed it maybe more so now than I did when I saw it when I was younger. Because when I was younger, I my my expectations were different. Now I knew going into this, I'm like, just let's just have fun. This is going to be silly. It's going to be, you know, 90s 
cop buddy bad in a good way. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so I, I really, gl- I'm glad you chose this movie, and I'm glad we watched it. And I'm glad you spent the time breaking it down. And I'm glad I got to, uh, you know, diss on Dolph uh, throughout this thing in a fun way. Yeah, yeah, buddy, I completely, hundred percent agree with everything you just said. It's a fun movie. I love this movie, but I don't love it on like, it's a different level love. I enjoy yeah. my time with it. I, I, I don't hate the fact that I watched it in two days. I, I could, I, I could even watch it again right now. It's a very fun, watchable movie. Everyone turns in a great performance except for your lead actor when he, and arguably he probably turned in his best performance, you know, but it's still the best for him. And as much as we love Dolph, I mean, we had to call out the, you know, spades a spade, man. And his, his delivery just wasn't great. Um, it's just, he doesn't bring the movie down at all, but he makes the movie different than what it could be. You know, he makes the movie a bit more of a mystery science theater 3000 thing, you know, where like you want to make yeah. fun of it. But then at the same time, you go from one scene with Dolphin, you want to make fun of it. And then you go to another scene where like you see some actor, you know, nobody actor who's on the screen for like one minute total turning in the fucking performance of a lifetime. And you're like, who's this director? Like, how is he getting such great performances out of everybody except for Dolph? Or he got the best performance uh, he could out of Dolph. I, I don't know, but this movie was fun. Uh, one of the reasons I, I should have said at the top, one of the reasons I did pick it was because uh, it, it was something that kind of like I didn't even think about going back to. But I remember uh, I think it was the watch list I was doing with Tim from Talking Back. He loves this movie. And I was like, shit, maybe I need to like kind of give this a revisit. And then it was like one of those things where, you know, you hear that, you're like, you know, and then it popped up on my radar. And then I started hearing from other people about like, oh, this is actually my favorite Dolph Lundgren movie. Like, oh, Dark Dark Angel, a.k.a. I Come in Peace, isn't isn't that bad. It's actually should be revisited. So like, oh, I was like, OK, it was it was like a weird synchronicity of things that just kind of kept like popping up on my radar. And I was like, you know what? Let me just add this one to the list because I enjoyed it when I was a kid, but I didn't watch it that much. I can kind of see why, you know, I just don't have a huge love for Dolph. But, boy, I I appreciate Brian Ben-Ben more now than when I saw it. Probably when I was a kid, I was like, yeah, Brian Ben-Ben's fun. Now I'm like, my God, give that man more shows. Give that man more work. We need more Brian Ben-Ben in our lives. Agreed, agreed. And look, I, I, I think, you know, we don't, when we break down a movie, we don't, we're not, we're honest about it. We're not just like sharing just the things we love about it. We're going to, we're going to cite all the things that worked or didn't work. Cause that's what we're doing. We're breaking it down. So we're just being honest. And, and I don't think necessarily shitting on Dolph, just calling it out like it is, you know, guys, if you love this movie, great. If it's your favorite Dolph movie, great. That's awesome. That's all good. Like there are movies that I love that people don't love. Mm-hmm. Uh, Diallo loves Wonder Woman 84. That's not going to change our friendship, you know, (laughs) Uh, but it is what it is. Like if you love something, that's totally cool. We're just from our perspective, you know, uh, and, and shit, if, if we had Dolph on the show, we would, you know, talk more about Rocky four and the Punisher and showdown little Tokyo 
and bring this up as well, of course. But you know, but, but he does his best. He does his best. He's, We're not he, knocking him. No, he's, I, he's Dolph. He's Dolph Lundgren. He's, he's still, Dolph. He's still Dolph. He, he he still won. I mean, he still won the game of life. He's still he Dolph Lundgren. Yeah, he could do no wrong, and <laughs> and he's sitting pretty with his new wife in uh in switzerland somewhere yeah. and you know driving around a porsche and the guys the guys not hurting so no, folks no, if, if you feel like we're being harsh on him take a step back and he's he's not hurting it no. about anything and and he's done some really stinky movies as well uh this is not a stinky movie this no. is a this is a el mariachi whoa i didn't expect that it's yeah. way better than i thought it would be type film and I recommend, you know, if you've never seen it, I recommend watching it. If you think you might want to buy sure. the Blu-ray, just buy it. It's it's actually, it's a great picture quality. Uh, Shout Factory did a great job with it. And the, like, the featurette, the 25-minute the featurette is, like, honestly, one of the better ones I've ever seen. And, you know, people were actually talking on it. I was like, this is pretty good. This is, It wasn't, like, a fluff piece, you know? So I was like, cool, this is this is fun. I I recommend picking up the disc if you if you think you, you like it. It's a fun yeah, movie, cool. and it's I think it's a movie that even if you're like okay, I'll watch it once or twice. It's still a fun one to like let other people borrow to kind of like pop in a great movie to like if you're having a party and just pop it in the background or something. It's a perfect movie for that, you know. No so I think I think you would if you owned it. I think you would get some mileage out of it. I think it's a fun movie, and yeah, you know, the the Dolph Lundgren stuff aside, I think it's 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 worth seeing. I think it's worth revisiting, and dare I say, I say own it. I think it's a fun fucking movie, and mainly for Brian Ben-Ben. For the Bens. And <laughs> for... Oh shit! I forgot his name. Kevin Kevin Nealand Atoyed. What was it again? Kevin Nealand Ak... Ak- ah, damn it. Ke- Kevin uh, Nealak. Nealak. There it is. Kevin Nealak. <laughs> and that guy. It's worth it for that guy. Brian Bimbin and Kevin Nealak. So. And Nealak. Oh, dude. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you for uh, for doing it with me, buddy. I of appreciate course. it. I always love these conversations. Um, speaking of conversations on the podcasting sphere, that was a bad segue. Where can we find you out there in the podcasting world? Oh, you can find me over at $2 late fee. Uh, two dollar late fee.com, Instagram, two dollar late fee, TWO, just to make sure. Um, we are an 80s retro podcast where we discuss a movie and a soundtrack, uh, the movie and its soundtrack, a song from the movie specifically, and the year it came out. We break down some highlights or lowlights, depending on how you look at it from that, from the year. Um, we just finished. We the other day Dustin was like my co-host on that. And he's like, why don't we call this season one, and then we'll start season two in January, and just kind of go from there. And I'm like, okay, sure. sure. So we officially closed season one. Uh, interviewing, we have a ton of interviews. We, we we cover a movie and typically we interview someone from that movie, and then sometimes we sprinkle in some random interviews of with celebrities and people. Uh, like Ed Asner, you know, was we didn't have anything related to him, but we had an opportunity to interview him, and we did. But we've interviewed everybody from Eric Roberts and Vince DiCola, the guy who did the music for Rocky IV and Transformers, which was one of my favorite interviews of all the times. And we, starting in January, uh, around the time this this episode airs, we'll have a very 
cool start to season two. I don't want to give it away, but it's real good. Uh-huh. I know because you mentioned it on wrap up after dark, but yes. yeah. So <laughs> if you want to know what it is, check out our Patreon page. Cause, and subscribe to that. Uh, you know, for those of you that have sub- subscribed, thank you. For those of you that are considering doing it, uh, pull the trigger. It's worth it. For those of you that can't afford it but can give us a review on iTunes, totally understandable. If you could just give us a review on iTunes, or, or and, and that would be great. Yeah, uh, that goes a long way in getting us in the five star. Please, a five yes. star. And then don't write, I'm a huge Dolph Mark, and they shit on him. <laughs> we didn't shit on him, guys. We, didn't shit we on love him. Dolph. We love Dolph. He's just, uh, you know, a bit of a wet noodle sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he's a badass. But this, you know, this, this, just listen, re-listen to the episode if you want to know more. Uh, Corey, where can we find you in the podcasting stratosphere outside of our pad home that's right outside of the the pad network at this point i mean my god it's growing um yep you can find me talking to our pal adam every week about seinfeld guys if you like seinfeld check out cartwright a seinfeld podcast and if you don't like seinfeld well you're probably not going to want to check out cartwright seinfeld podcast but if you don't like it, then fuck you. No. That, that's right that's right if you're a if you're a friends fan then no i'm just kidding i actually like friends too so but we are then listen to the life goes on podcast. Okay. <laughs> Where we break down what Corky did. <laughs> you know what? I hated that fuck is because when I was a kid, people called me show. Corky. They were like, ah, oh, oh, Corky. What's up, Corky? Up. Yeah. Cause my fucking name is Corey. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. I didn't get picked on a lot as a kid. I was just, I just would look at him and be like, fuck you. I don't give a fuck. So, you know, kids suck, man. Kids they do. suck. They do. But you know, it doesn't suck. Seinfeld. So go check out Cartwright Seinfeld podcast. <laughs> And then uh, we're we're like we're almost done with season five actually, so I think we're we're coming up on season six. Uh, we are like freaking eighty plus episodes deep. So Jesus. and I know, and they range from sometimes thirty minutes, sometimes an hour and fifteen minutes. So there's a lot of conversation going wow. on there. We're having we're having a fun time over there. And uh, while you're checking out podcasts, uh, as I mentioned earlier, Tim and Dean with Talking Back, go check them out. They're a great great show. Check out our pals over at Blast from Our Past. They're awesome too. Everybody in our network's a lot of fun. So we got a lot of good fucking podcasts, and we got a lot. I guess. Well, this is going to be dropping in 2021. This is going to be the first movie of 2021. So I think we're going to have a good year. I think this is going to be a fun year. And look for some wild movies coming coming from us this year. <laughs> yeah, if you guys all want to know what's in store on my end, um, I've got a little bit of a marathon but I'm not gonna. Once once the first one's revealed, then you'll know. You'll go. Oh yeah. But where I left off with teen exploitation, I'm gonna pick up with something quite possibly better. Maybe not. You or know, just as good. When I would go to the horror conventions um, in Maryland back in two, the early 2000s, late 90s, um, I would always go to the dealers area because uh, it'd be yearly, you know, and I would have one exploitation in mind that I was going for. So one year would be all non exploitation films, <laughs> one year would be all another exploitation films, but. Uh... <laughs> I'm not doing non-sploitation. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. I love non-sploitation. I know you do. <laughs> Sleazy C coming in hot. You'll review that with David Irons. <laughs> of course. <laughs> All right, guys and gals, we will catch you next time. And as always, we'll catch you on the dark side. 
Join the Podcasting After Dark Patreon community to unlock exclusive monthly content like cast interviews and a fan feedback show. Plus, you get every regular episode of Podcasting After Dark completely ad-free. You can also support the show by rating and reviewing us five stars on Apple Podcasts and by recommending us to your friends. Finally, make sure you follow us on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook for news and updates about future episodes. Just search for Podcasting After Dark. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it.